Welcome to Lost Link, the podcast with Muff Barber and Yogi Nickerson, where CL data is disabled and no topic is off limits about unmanned aircraft or the United States Air Force. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the participants and do not represent the United States Air Force, the Department of Defense, or any other federal agency. This podcast contains some profane language and is not suitable for all audiences. It was awesome. So, <laughs> so if, if he gives it, you give it. Like I haven't, I haven't read a bad word about it. Yeah, they actually do a good job with the dorky crap. Use all the like appropriate like, terminology and whatnot. Yeah, like you, like you know, like obviously we're not fighter pilots, but I mean we know how to talk in that language. Mm-hmm. And you'll you'll know you'll be like, man, they obviously got some people. They use like some appropriate. They got people involved. And... Well, yeah, just one one scene. It's it's not a spoiler, but. They're on final for this. It does, not, just so the only person you would spoil it for would potentially yeah, be me, because yeah, yeah. we can just delete That's it. That's true. <laughs> so yeah. don't worry but, about uh, that. But they're on final. For, to, they're doing a paveway, like a GBU-12, basically, yeah. uh, on this target. And uh, the the Wizzo, they literally have two ships, and they've got, like, buddy lasers with it. And so they got the Wizzo, like, working as, like, sniper or whatever. And he's like, the pod is, like, malfunctioning. He's like, dead eye. And then like call like a I think they call like goalie or some shit. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's like super cool. Um, But there's other things like that too. Like they clearly consulted with people who knew what they were talking about. This is this is for the nerds. For this is another side project that I want for Lost Link. Yeah, is to establish ourselves as like RPA experts and start informing movies. And being called and hired to be like technical experts on oh, dude. movies that involve that would be amazing. That'd be the shit. That would be amazing. So, and then we can uh, advise these people on how to make good movies that can both appeal to the mainstream audiences and the the dorks yeah. who want the MFW to look right. <laughs> nobody puts Armit on that side or whatever. But yeah, no, Eye in the Sky was pretty good. Um, good kill is silly, but I don't know. Well, that's that's what we should watch. That is the quintessential. Yeah. Well, like start of the movie. Well, that's the thing is, uh, you know, everybody that knows enough to be dangerous about drones isn't a good kill. Like your, you guys' top gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> All right, Tink. It looks like we're lost. Link again. Um, this oh, is no. your first time lost. Link with us. I don't know. Maybe it's some Russian EMI again from the <laughs> like the last episode. Or so, I hear that might be on the uptick. Yogi is still deployed. So today on the Lost Link Podcast, we've got Josh Hammonds, a friend of mine. He's an instructor with the Ninth Attack Squadron. Shipping and handling. Um, <laughs> he's a former Hellhound, uh, which uh, is oh, which is where I know him. You from. trolled me. I thought you were going to say twentieth. I was going to say uh, <laughs> hounds. Uh, it is hounds. Um, <laughs> And now he's here at Holloman and instructing the same squadron that I essentially fly with. So welcome. Dude, Tink, I'm glad you're here on the Lost Link podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. <laughs> it is wonderful. Uh, since we're Lost Link, until this like all comes back and somebody finds out where this EMI is coming from, <laughs> maybe we can just sit and chit-chat. You were a graduate of where? Talking about like school? Yeah, university. Yeah, University of Kentucky. Okay, cool. Yep. So, that means, so that means ROTC. That's right. So you're a ROTC yep. uh, cadet. Yeah. And what year? 2016 commissioning. All right, so you commissioned in 2016. Yep. And 
Did I meet you in 2017 or 2018? When did you get to the mm, house? Early 18. All right, early 18. So we're talking like a year and a half, right, uh, for you to get through this whole... Yeah, so I was actually a little bit delayed. So let's see here. I commissioned in 16, and then I entered active duty in July of that year, and then I went to Dawson August. Got done with that, like, for beginning of October, I think. And okay. then I didn't start RIQ, so, like, the, the T6 simulator deal. I didn't start that until a year later. Okay. So I was casual at Randolph, which, I mean. Oh, that's right. You had, like, a whole job at Randolph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I worked right. at the 12th, okay. uh, 12th OG with Colonel Etheridge. And then, uh, yeah, Baldock, if, if you're listening, I worked with you uh, as the exec up there. Or you were the exec. I was your assistant. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun actually though. Uh, when I, I'm not gonna lie, when I my first job when I was casual up there was uh, the uh, SDO, not uh, the SDO you're familiar with. But, uh, <laughs> not yeah, the stand by duty. Yeah, officer. they made the L, the LT. I was in charge of all flying operations. <laughs> <laughs> off. I uh, the the vault duty. So like just like making. Sh- I don't even know what my job was. I, yeah. I guess to make sure people weren't breaking into the vault, but like I don't know what the hell they wanted me to do about it. If they yeah. did. But we had so many people. We had so many lieutenants that. We had more people than shifts in a week. Okay. So, so so what that meant was that I had two guys, and I was the scheduler for this, so I got to just absolutely stack the deck in my favor. Nice. And for my bros. So there were weeks. Certain people would just not have to come in for a whole week. And then, like, guys would be like, hey, can I work Monday and Tuesday? And then they would work Monday and Tuesday, and then I'd just be like, all right, have, have a good two weeks off. Yeah. And then I just wouldn't come in. And then uh, they got wise to that, and because uh, we used to be attached to the five five eight, the powers that be, the powers got that, wise that to powers it. that be got wise to our lieutenant antics. <laughs> and so, anyway, because I think they ended up catching on to it because some kid hadn't checked his email in like three months or something. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were trying to reach him about his car's extended warranty, and uh, he <laughs> he wasn't responding. And so, like, they raided his house, and he was just like. Just, uh, just among, you know, in a pop-up chair among, like, 40 empty pizza boxes with a full Gimli beard. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> picking belly button lint. Yeah. And they were like, all right, got to put a stop to this shit. <laughs> so, uh, Ruined so they, it for everybody. Yeah, so they, 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 uh, they, they quickly established the 12th student section, which is now, from what I understand, the 12th training squadron. Okay. Which manages all that manpower for those guys that are TDY down there. And they farmed me out to the 12th OG to be the exec assistant. And at the time, I was like, oh, God, no. Like, I went from, like, the best job ever, a.k.a. nothing, yeah. <laughs> to, uh, to, you know, Monday through Friday, you know, 8 to 4. But it ended up being an amazing experience, actually. I actually really liked it. learned a lot. So from there, RIQ, RPA Instrument Qual. And then uh, yeah. you did RPA Fundamentals course. Which is also in-house. Same place. And then from there... Mm-hmm. Holloman, yep. IQT, and then off to Whiteman. Uh, Whiteman, which you arrived in 2018-ish time frame. So you are University of Kentucky, Wildcats. That's right. Go Cats, uh, Cats by 90. <laughs> I don't know why uh, we say that, but that's what we say. ROTC, everything's great. Did you want to be a pilot? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. I guess I'll backdate this. So so I went through a lot of uh, metamorphosis in my military aspirations. Okay. So, so in high school, I didn't want anything to do with the military. Randomly, my senior year, uh, one of my buddies told me, like, hey, I'm going to go to Army ROTC at Murray State. Yep, and also you're Kentucky, actually, right? Are actually familiar with that school? Yeah. Really? The it's racers? in Kentucky, right? Yeah, 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 Western Kentucky, pretty near to where I grew up. Okay. Anyways, so I was like, yeah. Why? <laughs> you know, because because like a lot of these people, you know, that don't know anything like I'm uh, I'm thinking, you know, why would I want to join the military? You know, I, I thought that the military was not uh, not a place for smart people. 
when I was growing up. That was the that was the attitude I had. So so I uh, I didn't realistically what it is. I was ignorant. I didn't know anything about the process. I didn't understand it. And so uh, he explained it to me, and uh, I, I realized that you know being an officer was a pretty awesome starting point to a career at a minimum. Yeah. Whether or not that would be a twenty year deal. My my parents were both enlisted, retired master sergeants now. And their thing was like, you can join the military. You're going as an officer. Like, okay. that is the, yeah, yeah. The, like, there's no, you will not enlist. Right. Um, I was like, all right, cool. I want yeah, to be, be a pilot anyway. And see, I didn't even have, my understanding of like the military rank structure was like from fucking like Call of Duty or whatever. Like I <laughs> yeah. knew like, I knew like <laughs> Lieutenant <laughs> was like pretty up there, you know? <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. you had to rank up quite a bit to unlock the AK-47 or whatever. Yeah. But anyways, my point is, um, I didn't get it at all. I know my, my parents, neither one of them is military. Okay. But anyway, I uh, got interested in it, talked to an Army recruiter about a, about a thing called Simultaneous Membership Program, which is like you enlist, and then they're like, you won't really be enlisted. You'll get to still go to ROTC. Yeah. And my mom was like, that sounds really sketchy. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I was an 18-year-old. I was like, my, you know, so my mom was the second stupidest person on earth next to my dad, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> and so uh, I was like, you don't know what you're talking about, you idiot. And, uh, and I almost went through with it. I got to This the, recruiter says it's a good <laughs> this, thing. This guy who is literally paid to, like, scam me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Has got, definitely got my best. Pumping his mind. numbers up. Right, exactly. And so uh, so he, so I, I almost did it. I almost, almost enlisted in the Army at that point, but I didn't. Uh, and then I... Went to college. I was still interested in the Army, so I signed up for Army ROTC. I did about a week of that and uh, <laughs> said that was not for me. And so I uh, dropped it, did that semester not in ROTC, just... Uh, unaffiliated, free agent. Unaffiliated. I was an engineering major at the time, and I was, uh, I was, I was in the tendrils of pledging my fraternity. And then after that semester, my roommate was an Air Force ROTC, who's still one of my best friends to this day. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to end up being his wedding uh, later this year. But he kind of convinced me a little bit to join. He was like, hey, you know, it's pretty fun, you know. Uh, so I dropped my fraternity, joined an Air Force ROTC, and then I switched my major to leadership development, which my advisor told me was the easiest major there was. Uh, <laughs> and they weren't wrong. Uh, so, so, yeah, I ended up getting a bullshit degree, but it worked out. And then at this point, uh, I still kind of was like, I want to do army-related things. I just don't want to be in the army. So I asked like the detachment wanna, uh, commander, climb trees, uh, yeah. jump put on some land paint. nav, you know, yeah. running around with M16s and stuff. So my uh, my ops officer at the time, he's no longer in the Air Force, so I can absolutely hang him up. His name was Captain Kozad. He was a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I met him. Uh, he was a 62E. Uh, developmental engineer guy. Okay. Uh, but anyway, we uh, I'm, I in process with him, and uh, he was like, what do you want to do in the Air Force? And I was like, well, I want to shoot M-16s This is shit. in processing into the ROTC yeah, detachment? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, he, I was like, I want to shoot M-16s and shit, man. He was like, all right, well, we got this awesome job that does that. It's called Security Forces. <laughs> and I was like... He's not wrong. I mean... Yeah, that's exactly what you wanted to do. Yeah. I was like, cool, that sounds freaking dope. Let's do it. Uh, and then my sophomore year, for those of you that don't know, in ROTC, you, uh, you basically you're not contracted your first two years. And I was not a scholarship cadet. I did not get paid a dollar from the Air Force until I, my junior year I got a stipend, but I never got my tuition paid for. So for guys like us, you're not contracted until you're a, a junior. 
Now, scholarship guys, I believe they contract like after their freshman year, or they may be contracted from the get go. But I know they have a tw- they have a one year period where they can like renege out of the program and they don't have to pay back their scholarship. But if they go to a certain period, then you yeah. owe it back. Whatever. Anyways, point is at the end, these of are the guys who are getting paid for like basically their degree, right? It's like right. you're not STEM, gonna get STEM yeah. degrees. Yeah, like yeah. computer science. Yeah, riot. It was always STEM degrees and lang- foreign language and. Uh, and then, and then I think the detachment commanders, the, so the O5s that run the detachments, I think they get like one scholarship a year that they can just pick some dude that they, you know, that they like ass. the cut of his jib yeah. or something, you know, and they can just give them a scholarship. Probably the cadet wing commander guy. So uh, I was not scholarship is my point. So at the end of your sophomore year, second year in the program, you basically compete against your peers for an enrollment allocation, which is like your ticket to go to what's called field training, which, which yeah. I, I guess I should have asked this off the cuff. Are you an RT? You were OTS. So right? I you did ROTC. I did for ROTC one semester, for right? I think one year. Yeah, and I got yelled at at ASU Arizona State for putting my hat on too early while I was still on the veranda. Oh, the veranda. That'll get you. Those verandas. Yeah. <laughs> you walked out, and the detachment was on the second floor of this, like, liberal arts building. And uh-huh. it had this wraparound porch like it was, I don't know, from Georgia or something, right? But this thing went all the way around. Uh-huh. And I walked out of the building, out of the door, and I put my hat on. And some senior cadet or something, like, yelled at me about it. Oh, yeah? And I was like... Do you think that guy's an officer now? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I was like, he's probably a colonel. I think he's listening. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> if you're listening... Yeah, life, dude. Yeah, you 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 ruined it. You ruined it. In that very moment, I was like, "This is fucking gay." I'm not. I'm, I don't care about this at all. Oh, um, and so then I changed schools. I moved back to Vegas, where I had a scholarship mm. from the state. And you went I, to UNLV, right? Yeah, That's yeah. And I, I studied computer science there. Yeah. Uh, but then they didn't have a redrawty detachment until like basically my last. Semester. So that's there. actually surprising. Yeah, I know. It's it's down the road from Nellis, like yeah, the like well, well, the and it's a huge biggest fucking air force I mean, it's base a big, in the military. Big city as well. I yeah, mean, like Vegas is. I mean, it's not like New York, yep. but I mean, it's. I mean, if Lexington, and Kentucky, there's two million people there. If yeah. Lexington, and Kentucky can have a detachment, why did Vegas? Why not? would Vegas? It, not? it made no. It yeah, made no sense. I mean, they do now, weird. and they've they've had one now for yeah. you know 17 years. Right. So they think they're awesome, but in 2004 and 2005, there was no ROTC detachment there. So. Anyway, I just did my thing living in Vegas, having a good time. Yeah. Well, honestly, probably for the best because you went to OTS. And I went to OTS. So so field training is like OTS. I'm I'm familiar with field training. OTS for dummies. I got there in August, right, as all the field training cadets are heading home. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know what the laydown these days is because when I was an upperclassman, it was like if you have a pulse and you, like, have interest in the program, they'll send you to field training. When I was a, and everybody says like, I thought know, everybody went to field training. Up to, no, not at that time. So oh, no I get that this is going to be one of those like uphill both ways in the blizzard type of deal. But the fuck are you talking when about? When I like, was, oh God, I'm getting this to is, it. I'm this getting is 2015 to it. or 16. I'm getting to it. I'm getting, like, to it. I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. All right. When, so when I, back in my day, <laughs> back, back fucking 10 years ago. For uh, sure you're 29. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So 10 years ago. Exactly. So when I was a, a sophomore, that was during sequester. Okay. So they were not at 100%. And, and it, historically, the EA rate had not been 100%. But it had been in the okay. upper 80s, low 90s. So okay. you could expect one out of 10 of your bros to get kicked in the ass out the door. 
And usually it wasn't that big of a surprise. <laughs> All right. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, you know who it is. Yeah. Which yeah. like it's like the whole Boeing thing, right? They're like they fire ten percent of their employees every year. It's like that kind of deal. But my sophomore year It's not just Boeing, that's GE and that's like an entire nineteen nineties and early two thousands management ethos created by Jack Welch yeah, at yeah. GE. He started that whole thing. Yeah. And it ruined Microsoft for about ten years. It's pretty toxic. But, yeah, it's tremendously toxic and Talk it's, about that on another podcast. The statistics but. of it make sense. The application of it creates a horrendously combative workplace. Yeah, and what, what system is the Air Force using? Mm, exactly. Something. Continue. All right. <laughs> so, Continue. Uh, yeah. so. So, so, so anyway, so my year, the EA rate nationwide allegedly was 59%. So my detachment commander at the time, Gregory Franklin, call sign Stymie. He was an F-16 guy. Pretty cool dude, for the most part. Um, I liked him a lot, and he seemed to like me as well. And so uh, I, we took our, like, AFOQT because, uh, like, you have I to... I loved that test. Did you take it twice? Uh, no, just once. All right, I took it... When did you take it? Uh, 2014. Like, no, like, what time in your ROTC career? Oh, sophomore year. All right, I took it, like, on entry. Like, oh, really? I showed up to ASU, and I took that fucking test. No shit. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I could take it again. Right. Later. Did you and, uh, wait? Did you did you fail it? No. Oh, I was gonna say, why did you take it again? I fucking crushed yeah, that yeah, test. Yeah. Like it was like the ASVAB. some eighteen year old idiot kid is taking this test and like is scoring in the nineties and shit. I'm like, this cannot yeah. be real. See, I um, and I wish I would have taken it again, like stayed in Rossi to take yeah. it again to be like, okay, after two years of college training, I've, reg- and I've regr- regressed. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Dumber now. What would, my, what would my have score? What would my score have been? Yeah, but yeah, uh, no, it, I didn't. No, it. Uh, I always sort of like have to pull my punches with this because uh, it's actually kind of a touchy subject for a lot of people because a lot of people struggle with it, dude. Um, I was, I was and a, I, uh, <laughs> you know, you try to sound like a dickhead, but you're like, it wasn't hard. I, I, I was a 91 <laughs> pilot, 92 nav. Yeah, um, I had a 90, 99 pilot, but but the only reason is because boss kind of re. Well, you see where I ended up. You see how well it worked out for me. Uh, no, I'll actually clean that up in a minute. Uh, but um, but no, it. Uh, well, the reason why I did well in the pilot section is because I actually studied for it. Gotcha. And the reason why I studied for it is kind of, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit, but basically the commander called called us all in one-on-one to like discuss our Air Force ideas, right? Yeah. And so uh, basically he's like, hey, Cadet Hammonds, you know, what's up? What are you... What are you thinking? And I'm like, well, I, I still want to do the security forces thing. It sounds pretty, <laughs> sounds pretty cool. What really appealed to me about it was uh, was the idea of as a lieutenant getting to shoot a gun, lead, shoot a gun, yeah, no, <laughs> to lead to lead airmen. Right, that was what I really was interested in with it. Because that's what they tell you. They that's tell what they you tell that's you. Important. They right? tell, tell, they, they don't tell you is that. <laughs> You write Article 15s for nine hours a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's it. I get but, the lead airman. Yeah, I get the, I get the, I get the, I get the issue DUIs <laughs> to these guys on a daily basis. But anyway, no. Uh, so that's what, that's what I thought would have been cool. But anyway, so my commander calls me and I tell him this. Uh, like I said, already alluded to, he was a Viper guy. Uh, so, you know, at, you know, you work with Viper guys. You know how they are. Yeah. You know, cool, but proud yeah um, and they should be and they're they like, should be right yeah. they fly cool planes they don't look quite as cool as other planes they're not as cool as the newest planes and, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're no yeah. they're no fifth gen fighter but that but that made me puke so you know <laughs> well <laughs> so it's pretty cool there you go <laughs> but uh <laughs> so uh anyways uh he's like well here's the deal dude security forces is kind of stupid <laughs> i was like Okay, well, uh, cool. He's like, 
And also, by the way, there's this whole new thing that you're uh, that we're going to be introducing this year called the rated enrollment allocation. This is the first I've heard of this. Yeah. I don't know. even know if they still do it. They I might. graduated college in 2005. Yeah. They so. may still do this. I don't okay. know if they do. But but that being said, EAs were not all created equal anymore. They were differentiated based on certain criteria. So there were like five buckets you could fall into. There was a tech EA, so like your STEM majors could apply for this. So if you got a technical EA, you were essentially going to go into a STEM field in the Air Force, or you could still apply for rated duty. Or like the the Battlefield Airmen stuff, so like Stowe, Crow, yeah. that kind of shit. Those selective things would trump it. Uh, but if you just went to needs of the Air Force, you were going to be like a developmental engineer, a 17 Delta cyber guy, that kind of thing. So that was one bucket, a bucket that I did not fall into. Second bucket was foreign language. So same deal, same exact deal as the tech thing. It's just I, th- I think that you would you would go towards a uh, like an international relations type of career field with that vectoring with that language. Right. So those were the two. Again, I did not fall into that one either. Third one was non-tech, non-rated. So that was basically, I don't have a tech degree. FSS, welcome. Yeah. So that's what security forces would fall <laughs> okay. under, right? Yeah, all right. And so that would have been what I would have been pursuing. And then there was the rated EA. Um, so my detachment commander, like, pulled out his little piece of paper and was like, all right, dude, let me give it to you straight. This non-tech, non-rated EA is going to be the most competitive thing on earth. He's like, we're we're hearing it's going to be like a 15% selection rate for this p- particular category. Okay. He's like, you're a top third cadet, right? Like, you're in there, but he's like, I'll tell you what, there are three guys in the program that are going to be going up for the non-tech, non-rated EA that are better than you. He's like, so you're number four. It's going to be a coin flip for you if you're going to get an EA with this. Now, if you were to put in a rated package you would be like top three in that bucket of guys that we have. And with your AFOQT score that you got, which was good, he's like, you will get a rated slot, period, dot. So basically the question is, do you want to fly planes or do you want to not be in the Air Force? (laughs) Um, And so there was a little bit more politics to it than that because he was spinning it, you know, like fighter pilots are the most badass people on earth and all this stuff. It's because they are. Yeah, agreed. Some of my best friends are fighter pilots. Yeah, agreed. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> and so uh, so I, I red-pilled, right? I, I, went, <laughs> I went for that. I said, you know what? I'd rather commission than not. With zero interest in flying planes and yeah. zero aviation knowledge. The only thing I did was I studied for the AFOQT pilot section because I'm a I'm a pretty firm believer in like I don't I don't like to just screw myself out of opportunities. Right. Like even if I don't anticipate I want to have all the doors open. Agreed. Right. Yeah. I was like because everybody's like oh I don't even worry about studying for the pilot stuff it doesn't matter I'm like well who's I'm still I'm, I'm still who's telling you this a bunch of people dude all the <laughs> dude. every yeah they're like don't even worry it's about a it. fucking it different Air yeah. Force man yeah like, like it doesn't matter that was the only thing that anybody gave a shit. About when yeah. I was doing taking this test, like, yeah. that was the only piece. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what was difficult about it though was the the fucking the little T thirty eights that you have you got an attitude indicator yeah, and it's the, got the <laughs> shitty like <laughs> one, like like sixty four pixel drawing of the of the T thirty eight and, yeah, and it's, it, what, you have what to, is its orientation? Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. You can't even tell. Like it's so yeah. shitty. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't even know yeah. what the nose, which side the nose of the aircraft is. All right, so you so you scored reasonably well, yeah. and your commander is now like driving you to rate it because he's Correct. like, dude, 
You did pretty well over yeah. here. He's like, you have aptitude for this, and yeah. also you're not going to get commissioned if you don't do it. And yo, dog, why do you want to be security forces? In that, that, because he knew security that forces. He knew better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's not trying to be a jerk and be like, dude, yeah. I'm going to tell you, you don't want that job. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he basically <laughs> did say. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he's not going to be like that direct because right, he's, right. he's a he's a lieutenant colonel. Yeah, he was he was a cool lieutenant colonel. So so then so he's trying to drive you to ready because you're eligible for that. So you yeah. So did you like all right fine I'm I'll compete for pilot training. Where do we go? So cool. so commander guy says you should be a pilot in the air force yep. because that's the air force's primary fucking business and mm-hmm. everything else Flying is, fucking is, is the air force right yeah everything yeah. else is it's not the support. gate the gate force so, yeah security force <laughs> is a support function to yeah. To, yeah. to the fucking business right. end right? right and you've got aptitude for the business end so you should be a pilot how did you should be a pilot because the f-16 guy is going to tell you you should be a pilot oh yeah and, and that's what like, i you should that's, be a fighter pilot. that's what i red pilled on how did we get to you being RPA pilot. Okay, cool. So uh, uh, me being sad, for, <laughs> you for, being sad for a short time, for a short for a short time, and I can't stress that enough. Um, so what? Uh, so what ended up happening was there's a tier hierarchy among the rated slots at, with respect to how they dish them out through like AFPC or whatever the hell. Okay, it. so all the AFSCs that are available to yep. basically so, be rated yep. right are 11, 12, 13. So 11 being pilot, yep. 12 being navigator, Nav. 13 being air battle manager, yep. and, 18. and 18 being RPA pilot, yep. right? What is, in your perception, the rank order? So my perception, the rank order is 11, 18, CISO, ABM. Okay. The Air Force at the time, it was pilot, CISO, RPA, ABM. Okay. So... Uh, <laughs> Sucks for you, ABMers. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's like the the the, the bastard child. Like, like nobody ever wanted it. Like, it's like rated we, because we have to say yeah, it's rated. We, yeah, we, like, uh, we had, like, it's like, I, hey man, you're in the back of the airplane. So yeah. we had we had one guy. We had, oh, one of my buddies, a uh, cool dude. He's a strike eagle wizard. His name's uh, Brad Emerson. I don't know what his call sign is, but uh, he uh, he uh, he got an ABM slot. He was in my class, and he he acted like he was super excited about it. And then like they came out with a supplemental board, and he got a sizzle slot and like he immediately was like fuck that <laughs> and then he ended up getting strike eagles so uh, it worked out well for him but anywho um the the air force ordered it as pilot sizzle rpa abm and uh it's I still did, in the relatively early days um the, yeah. R, the rpa is still like making its yeah. name yeah yeah we didn't know shit making money right? we didn't know anything about rpas and, and they don't right now right so a uh, quick sidebar shout out to my friends at embry riddle who are apparently listening to this podcast. This it's, little silly yeah, project dude. of mine is happening in my, my that, home office, silly. right? Um, <laughs> found this thing on Spotify and are listening to it and got this, this email from these guys. This is why we're doing this particular episode is because this dude from Embry-Riddle emailed me and said, I don't know anything about the RPA pipeline. It would be awesome to learn, like, have some of that because it's not yeah. available. And no, was, it's not. And I was recently talking to a dude in in my squadron, who like was a student or a instructor? no, like instructor, okay. captain, okay. dude. And he was just like, yeah, when I was coming into the to the Air Force in 2015 or whatever, there was no information. So it was it was like it was like this almost secret thing. Like, oh yeah, yeah. You don't know because it's secret. Again, th- like it's I classified. said, it's the name tag shit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> this whole thing of we're so secret. So so we're hit so we're hitting it we're hitting it because my Embry Riddle the reason you are here today is because 
our Embry-Riddle friends have, yeah. have essentially requested this. So well, good for um, them, man. That's so uh, shout that's out to cool. you guys. Like he was selected for to be an RPA pilot. Okay, so he's on it. He's we were talking about the rank order of the rated jobs. Yeah, and 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 how that. Yeah. So how out. do you think that's changed at this point, dude? I don't know. I uh, so I was the only person so, by, my, by my perception. It's 11, 18, 12, 13. That that's how I always viewed it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's how people at my detachment viewed it. Long term, 15, 20 years from now, it's eighteen. 11. Really? Oh, yeah. You think people are going to be I more think, interested in unmanned than uh, than being a fighter pilot? I think all airplanes are going to go away. They'll all be In the 6th remotely gen controlled. or like... They'll the all be remotely controlled. So I think the 6th gen planes are still going to have dudes in them. But so, so we're talking about like timeline. Yeah. yeah. Right? Long term, I think unmanned aviation is the only way it's going to be. But my... So my thought on that, though, is... Is it going to be 18? No, it'll be 11. No, it'll be it's going to be the 11 career yeah. field absolving the unmanned flying duties. Yeah, and it's going to it's be a process of like yeah. optionally manned airplanes. Yeah, because right? it's like so. when these guys talk about the B-21 and they're like, oh, yeah, dude, you guys are going to have... Shut the... No, we're not. No, fuck we are not, not going to give this 18X We are not going to be flying that. Anyway, so 11, 18. So we were talking 11, 12, 18, 13 yep, was yep, yep. The, the rank order correct, of this stuff. Correct, so, 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 so I... I so how did you go from trying to be an 11 to becoming an 18? Okay, so I put on my sheet... So they gave you a sheet and you're like, rank order these jobs. So I did not want to be a CISO or an ABM, so I did not rank them at all. Yeah. I ranked pilot number one and I ranked RPA number two. And my thought process was if I don't get pilot slot, I'll probably get RPA. Yeah. Well, guess what? That's what happened. Okay. Um, so at 11 folks up for rated duty, one of those individuals did not get selected for rated duty. Okay. One of the guys, the guy I talked about before, Brett, he got ABM. I got RPA. And everybody else got pilot. And uh, then, like I said. So you were the, the number 10 of. Basically. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Welcome. This is the best place to be. Yeah, it's not bad. So we got our flight suits or whatever. So like give them out and they give us our rated slots and, <laughs> and they're making a big to do. They're like, all right, everybody, you know, cadet so-and-so pilot cadet so-and-so. It's like Harry Potter, you know? Yeah. And they get to me and I'm like, ah, Slytherin. Slytherin. Yeah, yeah, you got it, dude. No, no, not even, not even dude. Uh, it's Hufflepuff for me. You know? <laughs> yeah. They were like, uh, they were like cadet Hammond's Hufflepuff. <laughs> and I was just like, shit. And I, I, you know, I was super upset about it. I actually was really upset about it. I, I really, at that time, had, had really bought into the whole fighter pilot thing. And I thought that unmanned aircraft was going to be super lame. Yeah. Fast forwarding, we'll rewind a little bit, but just so that no one just cuts this off and is like, oh, Tink is, you know, doesn't like RPAs. I don't want to do RPAs. I am so fucking happy in hindsight that I did not get that pilot slot. Yeah. I do not like being in planes. <laughs> all that much. I I think it's I tolerate it when I'm going on vacation. Yeah. I get in the plane and have someone else fly me somewhere and that's about the extent of have my you, enjoyment. Dude, to hell with that shit. Yeah. Like so anyway, so you didn't want to fly airplanes. Yeah, like, well I did. Well, well I did you, at the time. I yeah. did at the time. I was very bummed about getting the RPA thing. Uh so I get my RPA slot. I do my senior year, you know, don't get any DUIs and I yeah. I I'm able to graduate the program and commission, right? And so now you know you're in the RPA pipeline. Correct. Cool. The whole second year, the whole last year of my ROTC career, I know my job. It's going to be an RPA pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. But Excellent. as did, but to your point, I didn't know shit about it because there wasn't anything about it. Right. And and it's all secreted and everything. You know? All right. So from my experience Having gone to OTS, my application to OTS was literally 
there are three jobs you can fill in. Like, what jobs do you want? And I was like, pilot. And I left the other two blank because go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you didn't want to be a, you didn't want to be a cyber officer. If you don't want to select me for pilot, I'll think about it next time on my yeah, next application whether right. I want to be a navigator. Right. 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 Um, yeah. So you didn't you didn't want to put those other jobs down and then have them. Like, be like, oh, well, he's good with this job. Correct. The only job I wanted to be was pilot. So yeah. it's the only one I put on there. Right. And that was some magical whatever. Okay, great. You get a pilot. So it's probably because you had a good AFOQT score and we're, no, you know. No, 91 pilot. That's good. Right. I mean, it's super good, dude. It's, it's decent. It's not um, bad. It's not 99. It's not. Um, it's not. But, you know, <laughs> that was a long time ago, man. I'd get so, like a 40 on that thing now, probably. <laughs> so, uh, so I went to pilot training. And at pilot training, like flying airplanes and stuff, I was on my nav check in a T1 flying to Knoxville. Tennessee? Yeah. Go Vols, right? Yeah, yeah. So out of Columbus, flying into Knoxville. (laughs) My dad used to be a big Tennessee fan. And and I was about to hook my nav check because I planned a VFR route into the mountains. (laughs) 2,000 feet above. but, but, But the weather was capping us. And I didn't, I didn't like replan a new one to get to our next station. No divert options. <laughs> I, I didn't plan any of this, well, and so it. so I hooked this ride. Ah. Um, but I was flying it back to Columbus <laughs> once we once we were oh, like I, I my my IP literally let me. Hey, like at least you weren't at, at least you weren't at Laughlin, right? Correct. <laughs> Correct. Um, my IP literally let me fly like into the mountains up oh, until like man. all right. I'm way too uncomfortable with this, and he's like my aircraft. Turns it around. He's like, we're going a different route. And I was like, ah, fuck. That's never good. <laughs> like, I knew. I, in that moment, it's over. I'm going to have to do this nav check oh, yeah. again. Oh, yeah. Um, was it a low level? No. Okay. No. But it was a VFR route. The right. leg was supposed to be VFR. Okay. So I hooked that ride. And on the ride back, I was like, oh, this fucking blows. But at the time, in 2009, when I was going through pilot training, RPAs were an option, and they were sending somebody from pretty much every, every single UBT class, class right? to RPAs. Non-vol, usually. Somebody was getting yeah. an, our, an unmanned uh, aircraft. Right? Like, it was, you went into your drop night, and you, like, crossed your fingers that somebody else was going to get the drone yeah. slot and not yep. you kind yep, of yep. thing. Yeah. Yep, yep. So I volunteered. Yeah. So being a Vegas, Your class probably fucking loved I you, grew, dude. I grew up in Vegas. Yeah. So for me, this was like, great. All these people that I know are back in Vegas, yeah. and I will go back to Vegas. And in at a the minute. time, Vegas was like the mothership of everything, right? AFSOC and conventional was, was there, right? Uh, they had already split at that point, but okay. Vegas was still like the. There the was no Mecca. Shaw. There was no Shaw. There was, there no, was no Ellsworth. Ellsworth. At the time. There was none of this other shit. There was Whiteman. Though, Whiteman right? came up in 2011, and I got to Creech in 2009. Okay. I was like, yeah, I'll go do RPAs. It's yeah. fucking great. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, I get to go back to Vegas and I like I know where all the I know where all the streets are. And like You get to be the cool guy. I'm gonna, that buy, knows I'm shit. gonna buy a house. All my girlfriends are like the various ones that are orbiting around trying to get on that be a triceratops. Is that a thing? Have you heard that name? I've, that's actually hilarious. So there's the Pendipotamus and there's Triceratops. I've heard Pendipotamus. <laughs> the Triceratops. Dude, I got to write that shit. I'm going to text my wife that right now. I like oh, Triceratops. That's, that's amazing. That's getting that's I like Triceratops. That's I will, a good one. I'll send you a, a nickel every time I say it. Right? So I'm like, yes, I will definitely go back to Vegas. That sounds awesome. So I go and I volunteer for RPAs and my class does love me as you 
hinted. Oh yeah, yeah. They were that like, was, that was the easy. Yes, it's not gonna be me. How many how many thirty racks did you get bought for you? Did you <laughs> milk? Did you milk this Zero. or no? No, I should. Oh, have. dude, you should I have. Should have. You could have got all kinds of shit. Yeah, yeah. You could have played it off even. You could have been like, oh, I'm on the fence, guys. I don't know. <laughs> like you could have gotten free meals for like a year. At this year. point, I was like already over, <laughs> like already over the UPT uh, experience. Uh, see, that's the difference between you and me. I was like, listen, I'm just, I'm just trying to get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I took this RPA gig and I went to Vegas and I went to the fifteenth reconnaissance squadron at the time and the reason that i stayed like i still had this option to go back to fly airplanes and because there were a lot of people because you because you only had to do rpas for one assignment yeah one assignment and you were guaranteed you were essentially guaranteed to go back to man right so because that was the the promise what was that the term there was a term for this right because that was like newman and those guys at whiteman all of those guys what was that called same thing i don't remember the alpha some people will call it an alpha tour yeah but that's that's not correct most of my friends from the 2009 like UPT graduate year, they all did go back to fly other airplanes. Okay. After, uh, but but that basically meant that they were three years behind. Right of their peers. Of their peers. Well, the funny thing is, when it goes the other way, the guys that come into RPAs, mm-hmm. we like roll out the freaking red carpet for those guys. Yeah, you flew something else. You oh, flew. Man. You did anything else. <laughs> I'm silly. It's um, like, all right, well, we better send you to weapon school. So these guys <laughs> went. <laughs> these, my, most of my friends went to other platforms, realized that they were like three years behind their peers, and like their shit didn't go anywhere. And the number mm-hmm. of people I've seen come back to the RPA thing yeah, uh, is, I mean, easily more than I can count on my fingers, right? Yeah. So that was my thing. I And then while I was at the 15th, I went and I deployed mm-hmm. to Iraq to do launch and recovery in the MQ-1 in a, in a small base called Talil. I was going to ask if it was an undisclosed location or not. Nope. Talil. Nope. This is in southern Iraq. So I went to Balad, okay. and I was there for like two to three weeks. And this captain uh, from Creech was like, yo, dog, you got to come with me. We're, we're, we're going to go down to Talil. It's going to be awesome. Let me Talil, guess, it wasn't that awesome. No, it, it was, as far as like launch and recovery goes, Probably as cool as it gets. Oh, okay, cool. The it way was, you phrased that, I was, it was about it was, to be It was cool. the out base. <laughs> it was the divert base. We launched two airplanes a day. Oh, word. And hung out. Okay. That, that actually does sound pretty dope. Basically, it's Hawaiian shirts captain. There was two captains and me, and then three sensor operators. And you were a lieutenant at the time? That was it, yeah. Okay. So I was a junior guy, and I'm like walking around doing my own. But also what was amazing while I was there is that the only thing that shot anything so this is 2011. Mm-hmm. The only aircraft that shot a weapon in 2011 in Predator? Iraq, yeah, MQ1s, yeah, blown up like IED in places and shit like that. And uh, really, the the F-15s and shit, didn't they weren't do doing shit. shit. Huh? They were well. So this was between like the 2003 Desert Storm two and ISIS. Because yes, cause this is in the lull between the Raqqa. Like Rocket Merv started in like 2014. Hadn't, yeah, hadn't Correct. started up. This yet. is the year that we got Osama bin Laden. I was deployed in Iraq when we got Osama bin Laden. Oh yeah, bro. And Osama bin Laden got got. Yeah. You know. Um, hey, nice thought was Fort Campbell. That's where I'm from. <laughs> I've flown some approaches in the Shout Fort out Campbell. to those guys. Um anyway, so and it was while I was over there doing this RPA thing, I was like, you know what? Flying is not that cool. Being in the airplane is not that cool. Um Let's fucking ro- let's roll, right? Uh, and so I emailed my commander and I told him like I request to recat from an eleven to an eighteen mm-hmm. because in my opinion this is absolutely 
the future of the Air Force. In hindsight, though, do you think that that, I mean, well, for your career, it's going to work out because you're what? You got what? Four years through 20? Six. Six? Okay. Five so like, five ob- and a half. So obviously, like 18X, nothing's, the status quo is going to maintain for that same time period, I think. Yeah. But, but in the in the big picture, like if there was, if you were mentoring like a young lieutenant today who was yeah. like a young, a young Dustin Barber or like junior. Like, mm-hmm. would you would you recommend that same track, or would you recommend like stick it out in the eleven series and then and then and then champion that into the unmanned oh, world? It depends. Like, so the if they were like getting ready to graduate college in their ROTC and they're competing in their junior year for for a slot, I would tell them to compete for an eleven. Yeah, uh, because. What would you tell to – well, add the follow-on so you can finish your thought and then go to this one. What would you tell to a kid, though, that did get 18 and how they can, like, be optimistic about I'd be like, yo, dog, this is absolutely the future of air power. Right. There are unmanned F-16s right now. Yeah. That we can fly remotely. And then, so the B-21 is supposed to be optionally manned. The Air Force is, like, easing its way into this idea right. of unmanned airplanes yeah. and shit like that. That's because they're – at an institutional level, they they need they need to keep one foot like in what they know works, right? Right, and then they only commit fifteen to twenty percent of to the, their the, effort to the future of this yeah, thing, right. right? Right, but at some point, it is obvious, I think. Oh, dude, it's it's clearly obvious that data networks and these comms and this this unmanned airplane thing is going to take over all the mission sets that are done by dudes. In the airplane, the reason the, the guy is in the airplane is because we can't communicate to them fast enough. Right. But data networks and SATCOM and it's, all these other things are like uh, are breaking all of those barriers yep. down, and people want that control and they want the lack of political risk. <laughs> it's no risk when an MQ nine gets shot down somewhere. Yep. It's like whatever. Yeah. Put another quarter in the machine, dog, and send another one up. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Um, and so. It absolutely is the future of aviation. And this is like basically the bumper sticker of the Lost Link podcast is that aviation is being commoditized. Unmanned aviation, it's beginning, it's getting easy enough that you don't need this like specialty skill set. What you really need to do is understand air power, information flow, yep. and how all of this comes together to create the 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 end war power, or the war, the effects that you're trying yeah. to create to crush an enemy. It has nothing to do with some fucking dude yep. sitting in an airplane. Well, you you've seen to make these decisions. You've seen Catch Me If You Can, right? I love that. movie. I also love that movie. But this is I I, t- I talk about this sometimes. Is like aviation used to be this big thing. It was like. Pilots. Like all these hot chicks, like walking with yeah, your own pilot. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like well, it's like he gets the pilot uniform. And he walks down the street, and like all the kids are like, "Oh my god, look at that guy! He's a mm-hmm. pilot. What a fucking cool dude!" Nobody gives a shit anymore about that. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like no, nobody. Does Green goes sing about this in the early two thousands. Yeah, nobody gets off a plane and is like and like shakes the first officer's hand, like, "Hey, thanks for the flight, man!" Like yeah. nobody gives a shit yeah. anymore. It's it like to your point. It's like I'm not I'm not trivializing their career. Like I, pilots are important. And cool. I very much appreciate the Southwest pilot that flew me the other yeah. day. <laughs> I kind of appreciate the crew that that didn't show up to my wife's flight and made her stay at a roast motel in Dallas last week. Uh, and then American gave her like 50 miles or whatever <laughs> after she went Karen on him. Right. So being an RPA pilot is is excellent. And this is how I got into being an RPA pilot. Right. So. 
We've heard how you get into it. Basically, <laughs> number 10 of 10. I like to say that, uh, you know, we were the top 10, yeah. you know, of the 30 in our class. So I, I was still 10 of 30. I was, I was probably, nice. Nah, I was probably 30. Perfect. I was probably 30 of 30. <laughs> no, I doubt that. I was definitely like... Nineteen. I was, 30, I was th- sixty-nine of sixty-eight. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 call it. I was fourteen of fifteen in my pilot training class. Yeah. So anyway, all right. So this is how we both got into the RPA pipeline from ROTC. You graduate. What's your next step? Okay. Uh, well, my first step was uh, I had three months to kill. I had my uniform allowance that I got issued to me, which I think was like four hundred bucks. So uh, I just did nothing and drank all all the time. I spent four hundred bucks on beer. Uh, at least, yeah. You know. <laughs> my wife and I started dating at this point as well. So, okay. so I entered into my uh, what is now my five year marriage at the time. Uh, so that was part of it too for me. Was uh, so I, so I moved from Kentucky. She was still in college, so that was a pretty tough year of long distance. So, no, yeah, I'm still banging a college chick. That's cool. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> but then again, you know, I was not in Kentucky, so the banging was ah infrequent, limit, limited, limited, <laughs> definitely limited. But anyway, so you met your wife. Yep. So uh, we, I moved to Texas. My parents were kind enough to come with me. What does that mean? What did, when, when you say you moved to Texas, Randolph. So uh, you moved to. So you're like, all right, I'm I'm now commissioned. Boom, yep. onto Air Forcey things. And Correct. PCS yep. to. To Randolph, Randolph Air Force Randolph Base. Air Force Base. That was my first duty station, Randolph Air to Force attend, Base. To uh, attend the RPA Instrument Qualification Course. To attend course. undergraduate RPA training. Uh, yeah. URT, yeah, which correct. is a, dub, a nested acronym that yeah. we love so much. Undergraduate RPA training yep. is the umbrella term for the two yep. courses of remote, or uh, sorry, RPA Instrument, Instrument Qualification and the remote, or RPA Fundamentals Fund- course. Fundies course, yep. Okay. Yep. So we, so we, uh, undergraduate RPA training. And then in addition to that, right, don't forget, uh, we had DOS aviation, uh, as the first bite. So when did you go there? So I showed up on one August and I was at DOS. I was at DOS in September. So, uh, pretty quick turn for that. When you got to, where were you living when you got to Randolph? Uh, I lived in, uh, the Kitty Hawk apartments in Converse. Okay, so so you they didn't have like dorms or anything like that uh-uh, for you. No, no, like you no, showed no. up and you were. No, you were a big boy, and you were doing BAH and all this yep. stuff, and yeah, eighteen hundo a month. Okay, for San Antonio. Right, and I had, had a roommate too, so we split rent, which was nice. Okay, and you're living in an apartment, Rather and you're like apartment. showing up to Randolph whenever you need to. Yeah, pretty big, much. Big boy program, right? Big boy program, Boom. right out of the gate. You cool. got it. And then a month later, you were sent to DOS. DOS, yep, so Pueblo, okay. Colorado. So DOS uh, for the uninitiated. Initiated is the initial flight screening program. They've yep. called it a number. It's, it's actually flight training now. Yeah, IFT, semantics, IFS, whatever. Yep. I I also went to DOS. Yep. Um, and I was there in probably the early part of 2008. Yeah. I was flying there. DOS is located at Pueblo. DOS is the name of the company. Yeah. This is no shit like a civilian company that is running and they this wear, program. They wear the tan flight suits for some reason. And that's in Pueblo, Colorado. And you go there. How long was your course? Two months. Okay, two months. Because I don't remember at all how long mine was. Manned pilot bubbas and CISOs go for one month, and the RPA guys go for longer. Don't understand that. But I, don't know, I don't know why. It, well, again, this has been f- six years, so it yeah. could be totally different now. The big push, though, when I went there is they had just transitioned from IFS to IFT. Yeah. So, and so like they weren't screening. It wasn't, it wasn't an aptitude assessment. It yeah. was a training course. 
if you went during the IFS days, like, you know, they washed a decent amount of people out of there. Like, they would show up, and they'd be like, you don't know how to fly planes that good? All right, bounce. DA-20, pretty cool plane. It was. I, I actually enjoyed myself. It, I, uh, the, I enjoyed the flying at DOS. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it was fun. It was fun. The DOS campus exists at the Pueblo Airport. Yeah, I was going to say international. I don't think no. No, <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> I think they got like one gate. <laughs> right. And it's not going to right. Europe, dude. So the, the, the local Pueblo airport, Pueblo, Colorado, right? Yeah. And on the southeast corner, southwest corner of that entire facility is the DOS campus. There is one hallway of rooms. Did you have a window? Oh, no. Yeah. None of these rooms have a window. <laughs> yeah, there no. are no windows to the outside world in your room. Pitch... Black is if if you like pitch black rooms and nice and cold, this is the place that you're gonna sleep the best. Dude, it wasn't bad. Yeah, I happened to have a room on the southernmost portion of the. Do you have a roommate? No, me neither. And I, but I was able to open my door, and there was a glass wall outside of that, so I could see like outside. So I had a window a if I left window. my door open. Uh, I felt privileged to have that room because living wow. in this like this yeah. hole of what DOS really felt like was mm-hmm. living in a hole I didn't enjoy. So so I'm I was actually the opposite. I actually really liked it. I'm kind of a homebody. Uh, the the hardest thing was being long distance with my at the time girlfriend. Uh that was difficult, but I liked the whole like self-contained like the campus had everything that I needed. Yes. freaking kitchen, a little gym, a, a ki- little basketball court. G- basketball. I played a lot of basketball. They had a kitchen that served it was open all the time. They had good food, uh, running track, if you're into that. They had, like, the little cockpit trainers you could go yeah. and sit in and practice and share fly and all that, which was pretty cool. Uh, and then they had, I mean, you know, they had TVs in the rooms and everything. Right. Uh, and it was football season when I was there, and I'm a big college <laughs> I'm a big college football fan. So I watched a lot of football. My class actually it's gave Kentucky me Kentucky in the SEC? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, all you yeah. SEC nerds. Yeah. Are- anyway, so I was uh, I was very entertained by, you know, football. And then and then obviously during the week I was, you know, flying and studying all, all day. My class actually had <laughs> joked, you know, they made fun of me because they'd, they'd be like, yeah, on Friday, you know, t- I saw, uh, I wasn't, t- I was going to say Tink, I wasn't Tink then. But, you know, we saw Josh walk into his room with a handle of Jack Daniels and, I guess we'll see him on Monday. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they yeah, weren't wrong, you yeah, know? They weren't yeah. wrong. <laughs> so what did you think of DOS? So what do you do at DOS? Let's ask this question. Uh, so basically, you, they get you... It's like 90% of a private pilot course. What airplane are you flying? The DA-20, a Diamond Aircraft Series 20. Um, Katana. Katana. That's what they call it. Yeah. Katana. Um they even paint little mouths on it, like the like a P fifty one, like it's a P fifty one Mustang like the shark mouth. Yeah, on shark it. Yeah. mouth. The P forty. It's the P forty that had those. Okay. See, my my aviation history is lacking, dude. Yeah, yeah. You can yeah expose we, me if you want. We got to learn. We got to learn. Do some I, learning. I know. I know a little bit enough to be dangerous. So they put these little tiger mouths on these yeah. things. It's got a, it got about like four horsepower. Yeah, <laughs> enough to get airborne. Enough to right? barely, barely. Uh, we had a we had a couple of dude, guys. It's a fine airplane, dude. I would own a DA forty and fly my oh, family in DA it. That'd 40? be amazing. DA forty, absolutely. And I flew yeah. the DA forty a little bit okay. um, afterwards in pursuit of my private pilot. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They're fucking expensive. Yeah, I think I was renting them for one ninety wet. So DA twenty at DOS. Yep. How many hours <laughs> do you fly there? Uh, about thirty. All right. Give or take 30, 30, 40. Great. And so you airborne some, hours, that is. Yeah. So you do some pattern sorties, right? To yep. like learn how to like take off yep. land. And we did some solos things. too. Yep. Um, did you fly at the Fowler? 
Yeah, we did. We flew to Fowler, that Which little is an, shit airport, airport. It's not even an airport. It's not even an airport. It's, it's just a, a runway. Yeah, it's just two runways, right? In the middle of nowhere. This little airfield called Fowler, and you go and you do approaches mm-hmm. there, and it's primarily Dude, you're like... like a, you're like my buddy uh, Country from uh, Whiteman. I'd be opposite, and he'd be over there like, "Yeah, man, I remember at DOS, I was flying, uh, I was flying Kitty Six Nine. We were, uh, I was about 200 feet AGL, short final at Fowler Runway One Seven, and I put it, <laughs> put in about five degrees of left rudder to slip it in because I'm a little above glide path. I'm like, how do you remember this shit, dude? I just, I so, <laughs> so you do some pattern work. You do some out base work, yep. right? You're gonna go fly to Fowler, and then you do some area work where yep. you're doing like turns steep, around the steep point, turns, taps, yep. yeah, stalls, stalls and falls, power on, power off. Yeah. We, they didn't let us do spins, even though the DA20 is a certified spin trainer. They yeah. wouldn't let us do spins. So then you do some cross so called cross country, yeah, type of stuff. Where did you fly to cross country? Uh, let's see. We had was it La Junta? La Junta. La Junta as one of my other La buddies at the time. Junta. As one of my one of my other buddies at the time. Uh, I don't even know As a it. as a Spanish speaker, yeah. it's La Junta. It is, but he would this guy would uh, La Junta. He would say it. Yeah. He wouldn't say La Junta. <laughs> yeah. It was on purpose too. Yeah. He would just say La Junta and everybody <laughs> all the IPs would correct him and he would just keep on saying it. He'd say it over the radios, they'd get pissed. It was pretty funny. I did my long cross country to Denver, not DIA, but Denver. I didn't have a long cross country. Oh yeah, I literally just went out and back. I literally just went west of Pueblo. Yeah, to whatever town that the Supermax prison is in. Oh hell yeah, Ted Kaczynski is in this prison. Oh, that's the Unabomber. When we landed, on the mi- mind when we landed, hunter. it turns out we had a flat tire. So we landed mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. it immediately started pulling left. So I was like full boot of rudder to the right. And they're like center it, line, dude. To center keep line. It on center like, line. I'm fucking right. full boot. Like, I'm trying. <laughs> Dude, I know. Yeah, and you're like, I I haven't even gotten to pilot training yet at this point. It's right, like, right. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> right. I'm trying my best, dude. I'm trying my best. So the, your experience at DOS, like what's uh-huh. the daily experience at DOS? Uh, you wake up so, and you go to grab a morning brush, brief. Put on a little makeup. You go, to, you, <laughs> you go to breakfast, right? Yeah, you get yeah. you go through the line Hell there. Yeah, dude. You good, good. Again, again, I can't stress this enough. Amazing cafeteria, dude. I mean, you gotta you go to the cafeteria. But this is coming from a guy who likes chilies. So you get you your cereal and your yogurt, yep. right? And then you go upstairs to your flight, flight room, room. Uh, where you go to stand up. All yep. right, describe stand up in uh, six to nine seconds. Uh, yeah, so stand up, you pretty much sit around the room in a U shape at a modified position of attention. And then you ever, if you ever played popcorn reading back in the day in like uh, you know elementary school, they call on you basically at random, yeah. and they ask you a, a general knowledge question. So just like some random factoid, and uh, you stand up, you say the answer. If you get it wrong, then you uh, then you sit down. The idea is that no one has to sit down because everyone answers their question correctly. If people sit down, they get like, basically, this looks bad. Then everybody has to stand back up, and then you have to go through it again, right? So, basically, just doing this, like, general knowledge. Yeah. Like Quizzing everybody. right? Exactly. Um, Stump the dummy. Did they give you an emergency procedure? Yep. Yep. We would right? do. We so, would. so, you and, like... Was it just you? Just you. Just it w- you. It was just standing in the front of the class in the center. In the center. With, like, a, in with, front a, of card, everybody. with a cardboard cutout of a cockpit of the plane yeah. sitting in front of you and you would bring up your in-flight guide with your checklists 
and that's all you would bring up with you. And they're like, all right, situation of the day, uh, you are X, Y, Z, you know, you're, you're flying along this way. They, this they, they paint a mental picture. Location, yeah. and the, and 30 then, miles from the field. And then the students like, sir, may I ask some setup questions? And they ask like 500 questions yeah. that don't matter at all. Dude, just keep asking questions. Until they get bored and they're like, ask we're out of time. Uh, Save by the bell. They, yeah, just keep <laughs> asking questions until it's the like, instructor sir, gives up. Sir, am I, sir, do I, yeah, it's just, yeah, whatever. Well, so anyhow, so then you, you walk through and it's like I said before, kind of alluded to, it's like with my left index finger, I'll push the circuit breaker in for the blah, 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 blah. And then, uh, eventually, you know, the, the, uh, the instructors will either deem that your solution, uh, to that emergency procedure was sufficient to get on going, or they will sit you down yeah. Uh, which essentially uh, they, they tell you, nope, you're not cutting the mustard, young man. Have a seat, and then they'll pick a different individual will, to come up and take over. Will where they you ground you off. for that day? Um, so you didn't, you didn't pass this I thing? I can't like, remember if that grounded you for the day or not. I don't remember I, it I want to say it did. Yeah, I want to say it did. Then again, I don't remember that being a big deal because I don't know if I ever got sat down, but I'm sure I did. Yeah. And, and I feel like if I'd gotten grounded, I would have remembered that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You start to learn Air Force aviation, like, yep. how to mentality. run a How to run a checklist, how, right. like, airmanship, how to fly planes, we how to stand talk up on the radio, piece, stand up, the, right, all that shit, yeah, right? Not so much, like, AFIs and stuff, but, but definitely systems stuff. Like, you pretty much have to learn how planes work. Like, you learn aerodynamic principles. It's actually a lot. It's hard. For me, it was hard because yeah. I had zero aviation background. So and I, did I practically had zero. Yeah, and so I didn't really understand how airplanes worked. So for me, it was actually a little challenging uh, to to get through the academic portions. Yeah. it's not impossible. It's not hard if you're yeah. if you're if you're of average intelligence uh, or even maybe slightly below average intelligence with a good work ethic. Yeah, you'll probably be okay. And if you went to Embry Riddle, if you, you got an oh, aviation degree, well, you're gonna sail yeah, right through. All dots, the instructors will, right? will pretty much just let they'll. <laughs> Be very impressed. They're like, all right, you don't even need to fly this one. Yeah, We're they good. just profit advance you through the whole syllabus. <laughs> <laughs> and if you went to the Air Force Academy, be sure to bring that up as much as possible. Yes. Did you find stand up at DOS? I actually, I actually really liked stand up PPs. Okay, do, do I tell. Think, I think that they are silly, sort of, okay. but I also liked them. I don't know. I always have kind of liked being under pressure like that. Okay. Uh, I, I kind of, it's the same thing as like when, uh, when I was a student here at Hallman, I really liked IPs that would like GK me in the brief rather than just talk at me. Yeah. Because I enjoy being like, yeah, dude, I studied. Like yeah. I know my shit or at yeah. least I think I do. I want to demonstrate that. I hate to stand up. It yeah. stressed me, stressed me out to like beyond belief. Yeah, I, I would uh, like for whatever reason. I, I and I don't know why. Yeah, uh, there was, I mean it's a stressful thing. It was a time in pilot training, <laughs> and uh, so I've made it through T sixes. I'm into T ones, and we're trying to learn all this like these like phrases. I can't I can't remember what they were about, but there was like these ten things that you had to have memorized, and I think I had to do it told, and we had to like memorize these things and it's going around the room and I could feel it. I could see it happening. I would I could lock see like my the little white, like <laughs> the little like white bubbles or something like show up in my, in my vision. I'm assuming you didn't disclose this in your uh, flying class. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then, like, it would suck. So I was doing pilot training, and I was in UPT T1s, and I remember standing up, and we're going around the room trying to do this, like, this is, like, in the first, like, month of uh, T1 training, and we're trying to learn this new airplane as quickly as possible. Right. And there's all this shit they wanted you to memorize. And I remember, like, standing there, and I fucked something up, so I had to stay standing up. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, like, I was locking my knees out or something, and at some point, I was, like, I was starting to see, like, these, you know, little white circles and stuff in my vision. I was, like, oh, I know where I'm going. I'm, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> You're that guy that they always so, told us about. So I just sat down. <laughs> I just sat down I mean, stand up. Mm. And uh, I, I was locking my knees out, and I was about to pass. I knew I was about to pass out. I was, like, on that road. Mm. And so I just sat down, and, like, Nobody said anything <laughs> because I don't think anybody knew what to say. Oh, you just, they just, they're just like, like all the IPs and stuff like looked around and was like, why the fuck is this guy sitting down? What an alpha. <laughs> right. <laughs> like nobody knew what the fuck to say. And uh, then it came up after the fact and it was like, well, I didn't notice. I was stressed out. And they're like, why the fuck doesn't Lieutenant Barber know this? You, Lieutenant, whatever. Why don't? Why didn't you make sure that this guy knew this thing? And this is, it was ridiculous. UPT is a it, silly hazing. Yeah. On oh, yeah. Like, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, RIQ even to an extent. All right, great. So, so DOS. Yeah. So we'll DOS into RIQ this thing from this UPT story sure, of mine. Sure, sure. Right. So you do DOS. You're doing the stand-up mm-hmm. thing. And then you go out and you learn how to fly the DA-20. Yep. My experience at DOS was that the only thing you really had to prove that you could do was land the fucking land plane. Land the fucking plane. That's it. Yep. If you could land, you're good. And not and not get airsick. And not get airsick. Airsickness and not being able to land. Like, that you might be able to, like, two. throw up on, like, the first one. Yeah, but you, you, could, you, you could literally... N- you could not be able to do a steep turn or not be able to do a turn on a point. It didn't matter. Right. It, it, to, it, felt, it felt like it mattered, but it didn't. Yes, or be like <laughs> tune a particular frequency to listen to to some shit, right? Yeah. Um, I remember like some of the later stories. It was like very big on like what frequency I was going to be on at this point. Yeah, but you had like three frequencies for the whole sortie, though. Correct. Like two radios. Correct. <laughs> I mean, this is child's play in in retrospect, anyway, right? But it feels in the moment yeah, no, like well, no, I mean it's it's it's, it's, it's crawl walk run, man. Like it's it's at the time it's hard. I mean. Yes. Yeah. So so you do the DOS thing and like mm-hmm. great. You finish that syllabus. Yep. I don't know what the syllabus looks like. You so, start out in the pattern only, then you do a pattern only solo. Yeah. And then you do you learn how to use the whiz wheel. Then you go out to the area. And then you go to the area, you do some area maneuvers. Turns around a point, turn S turns, yeah. all that shit. Right? You, you land at some other airports. You go, yeah, do, Fowler. Yeah. you go do touch and goes. One of the funniest things, though, that happened to me at DOS, I was flying, uh, this guy's probably definitely retired by now, but he was a lieutenant colonel active duty guy, one of the few active duty guys, like the the people that were there, I guess, to make sure the fucking program wasn't just gone to absolute hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy's call sign was uh, Lombardi. No, 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 sorry, his call sign was Coach. His name was Lombardi, Lieutenant Colonel Lombardi. Okay. Uh, he did my pre-check, and I was, uh, you know... I thought I knew how to fly the katana pretty Pre-check good. Pre-check being the, the event immediately prior to your check ride. Check ride, yeah, yeah. Right. Basically to make sure you got the goods to go to your check ride and graduate the program. Right. So, uh, 
yeah, I, I he was the first Air Force guy I'd ever flown with. Period, right? Because this is my first syllabus, and so uh, I get because yeah, everybody else is a civilian. Civilian, basically, yep, right? Exactly, right. exactly. Uh, and so I go out there, and I had the again back to what we were talking about before the check ride brain. I had the idea that I was going to try some new shit on for size, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know what? My in-flight guides got checklist strings. My kneeboard has checklist strings. Yeah. I'm just going to slap my in-flight guide on my kneeboard. And uh, I go <laughs> I go to climb into the plane. And so if you're familiar with checklist uh, sleeves, it's like uh, the top. You, they're top loads. So you put your checklist pages in through the top. Right. Okay. Well, I have it on my knee oriented to where the top of the page is towards my foot. Right, yeah. So you can flip through and fly. And yeah. I go to climb into the jet, and every fucking page <laughs> of that 250 page in flight guide falls out of the damn checklist things onto the I, I fucking ramp. Sleeves. Onto the right. ramp. <laughs> and and uh, my IP doesn't even help me gather them up. He just sits in the plane, shaking his head, watching me run around, trying like, not to fought out every single airplane on the ramp. Classic fucking lieutenant move this here. This dude is about to just kill me, I think. He, he's, I think he's got a gun. He's about to blow my head off. And, um, yeah, at the end of the sort, yeah, obviously, I, the sort did not go well uh, at all. Uh, my worst this is your pre-check? Pre-check, yeah. yeah. I barely was able to fly the plane that day. Uh, and he's like, dude, I don't want to pass you, but the Air Force needs you, so I got to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you passed your pre-check. I passed the pre-check. Awesome. All right. And then I did my check ride with the site lead, like the, uh, what, do you, what is it called? The chief pilot. Chief pilot. Yeah, yeah. I was really, really uh, afraid. But then I knocked down out of the park, so yeah. well, against and, all odds. And it's funny when you look at these things in retrospect, you're like, this guy's at DOS. All right, so like, this dude is not a Thunderbird. <laughs> yeah, but in my world, yeah, he was the most right. intimidating son of a bitch exactly, I'd ever come across. Exactly, yeah. he is the most competent pilot I have come across yet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Lombardi, if you're listening, you may well have been a Thunderbird at one point in time. Yeah, sorry to offend you. I, uh, but I suspect you were not Thunderbird one. All right. Um, all right, cool. So Jesus. you do DOS and you go fly around a DA-20 Ooh. and the Air Force says, okay, we You're think good. you might be able to learn how to fly an actual military airplane. He's got the good stuff. All right, cool. Yep. So so from there you went back to Randolph and you Correct. did RPA instrument qualification. Correct. Talk to me about that for like three to five minutes. Okay, cool. So RPA instrument qualification was 100% T6 Sims. So okay. the, the T6, the Texan two. Uh, Sims. The Sims are like zero input. So, or sorry, zero output. So it's like they don't have any feedback. They're just basically playing, uh, what do you call it? Like Flight Sim 10. Okay. Like on Windows. What do you mean they don't have any feedback? Well, like some Sims, you know, like you they, they move around or like they, when you turn the plane left, it, it'll rock left to give you like haptic okay, feedback. Okay, so there's, there's zero haptic There's no feedback. haptic there's nothing feedback. is moving. Correct. You're sitting in this thing Static like a flying thing. flight simulator Correct. in your home. Right. But it's in a cockpit that has actual switch. It's, it's more than your HOTAS, you know, A10 HOTAS that you bought on Amazon for yeah, shit, what is the name of that that soft? There's a there's a game. 
There's one that's like specific to A10. So oh, it's just like hog, as in depth as you could something. possibly make. And these it. dorks are like eating it up. Eating it up. None of <laughs> yeah. them ever flown an A10 <laughs> yeah. operationally. Yeah, yeah. And they're like talking about how to do a gun. The, but run they're looking at TOs and all yeah, that. They, yeah, they, yeah, they're anyway. like studying it and shit. So the, so the, <laughs> the T6 Simit, our, the RPA instrument qualification course. Mm. Doesn't move. Doesn't right? move. It's it's, so it's literally the only it's, thing it's, that moves is the imagery around co- you. Correct. So so basically, the way that it works is you've got your T six cockpit that's just sitting in the middle of the room. Your instructor pilot is behind you on just a Windows workstation, clicking things with a mouse. You're in the cockpit by yourself. It's not an actual tandem cockpit like yeah. it is in the real jet. In front of the sim. There is a, and it's open air. You don't like close down like a lid on yourself. Yeah, there's right? no canopy. Yeah, there's no canopy. Uh, in front of you is a panoramic screen that is a projector sc- screen. How far would you say that goes, like visually, like acuity wise? Like, uh, so, like, human vision is like 180% of your peripheral. If I recall correctly, there's like screens. With a layer of like plastic oh, shit on that's top right. of it, I for- right? I forgot about to that. To like simulate. Yeah. What the actual instruments yep. will tell it you. It's like, it's, an iPad, right? it's like an iPad underneath right. a right. physical sheet of cutout squares right. that line up like your your attitude into your EHSI, your uh your your all that all that shit. No, none of the instruments are physical, including the backups. Like your right. backup attitude indicator is still just a screen. Yeah. And you're yeah. flying around in like San Antonio that. airspace, right? So you're doing like pattern work inside like launch like you're launching yeah. out of Yeah. I think we flew Randolph and then you're going out to the area and, and shit like that. You might do like an, an out and back to some other facility mm-hmm. some other base, right? Yeah, and I don't even remember that all that much. I have a very of all the phases of training, I have a least vivid recollection of RIQ. <laughs> um I mean I, for you it's like the furthest one away, right? I mean, Roxy well, da, was, no DOS. Okay, uh, I remember. I recollect DOS a little more than RIQ. RIQ was like one of those like sprint to the finish. Like it okay. was a it was a three month course, and it's like jam packed with stuff. It's like it's like every day. It's like learn this and then just fucking forget it. Yeah, you know. And so that that doesn't lend itself to retention of information. Okay. Um, RIQ is at the five five eight five fifty eighth. The Phantom right? Knights, one of the cooler patches that Dude. Uh, I might add. For sure, and yeah. they they actually have like one of the best bars in the entire. They do RPA have community. a very nice bar. It's, it's very incredible. Nice bar. It's, well, it's, it's, well, part of the thing that makes it nice is that they've got a uh, a full uh, uh, an endless supply of lieutenants that they have at their beck and call to yeah. make breakfast burritos <laughs> and popcorn at all times. But you're executing this RIQ functions as like. UPT light, light in the but, sense but, but that like you're in a flight room, right? Everything up to formation. Well, well, so for the UPT bubbas, we don't do any formation okay. stuff at all in well, the T six. And so yeah. after, yeah, so that's like the last phase of pilot training, right? Mm-hmm. So you do you do some contact, contact stuff. and instruments. So you can do loops and you can do lazy eights, Emmelmans, all, yeah, all these things. clover leaves. And then you go and you do some instrument stuff. That's dog like shit at all of it. Flying approaches <laughs> to individual fields. Uh, yeah, right. Like making sure that you're turning at this DME uh, with this lead radio, yeah, shooting and the ILS all that stuff, right? Yeah, I actually like the ILS approaches out there; fun. Yeah, of course, because you got this nice little target you're aiming for, yeah. right? It was um, like a Luke Skywalker running down the <laughs> Death Star trench. <laughs> so you do that, yeah, and all this is occurring like in a flight room construct, right? So like all your instructors had desks around the room, correct? Is that correct, correct. Right. Yep. So that's very much like a UPT thing, and there's like tables in the middle. 
that you get to sit at because yeah, yeah, you're yeah. a student, student. The students will sit in the middle. So, so for the folks that don't know, like the the standard kind of construct of training in the Air Force, like you essentially you show up at a standardized show time when you're on what's when you're on a formal release syllabus. Yep. Right? You you're, all show up together. Your whole class shows up at like. I don't know, like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. Balls early in the morning. Balls yeah. early, un- unnecessarily early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you show up. Just simulators. I can do this anytime, dude. <laughs> seriously. Uh, well, we have to make it as realistic as possible. <laughs> so we have to make it suck for no reason. Welcome to the RPA community. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, welcome. <laughs> so, so you show up to RIQ four thirty in the morning, so you can do some T six stand up shit. Did you yep. do stand up yep. at? Hundred percent. Okay, we would do stand up, and then we would get our the same as it was done at DOS. Yeah, and then this was the funniest part, where we would get our mass brief from one of the. So our mass brief would rotate through all the pilots would do it, and we would brief a made up TAF for the day. It wasn't even like tied to like. It wasn't even real. It was just made up. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was because because the events were all scripted. Yeah. So all the weather was scripted. So, uh, so they couldn't change that on the fly, yeah. like make it yeah. like represent what was current. Cur- nope, they didn't yeah. do that. All At right. least not that I remember. I, mean, I could be misremembering it, but I'm pretty sure that they because all the instrument flying was overcast. It was always overcast. Yeah, we would always be in the weather. So why else would you be flying IFR? Right. Exactly. Right. So so there's no way it was actual weather because obviously it's not fucking overcast five hundred to thirty thousand every day. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, yeah, so that the 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 pilot would get up there and give a made up brief about fake weather yeah. in front of everybody. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, what was your impression of REQ? Useless. Okay. In its current construct, that is interesting. Hopefully, we'll hit some. We'll come back to that and like tie yep. that in. So, so I will caveat this for the folks that are that are that are trying that are they're very angry to hear that. Um, well, angry that it's angry useless that or it's angry useless. that they got RPAs? Ang- angry that this RIQ thing that that they're so excited about is being called useless. Okay. It's not useless in theory. The The concept of RIQ is not useless. The execution of RIQ is useless. We are not... It doesn't create the, the aviators it wants to. That it presumes to, it, right? It's trying to min-run UPT. It's trying to get a UPT quality output with less time, less work, and less money. Yeah. And it's not doing that. Like, just enough to, like, get missed so you can fly this unmanned airplane. Correct, correct. This, it's not... This faux airplane yes, that, like... It doesn't create the airmanship that UPT does. Even yeah. though UPT, as you said, is silly. RIQ just takes the silly parts from UPT, and then it, it does away with all the rest. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy that. All right, so tell me about RPA Fundamentals course. So after you graduate RIQ, you go down the hall and, into and, the vault, and you spend how long is it? Uh, a month. A month. And All right. of, of note, back then, you had a drop night, too. Oh, that's correct. Right. So so we got our wings Excellent. And so, a you, drop. so you don't know what it is you're doing. So you graduate, Correct. Rossi, you go to DOS, you come back, and you're all like... I did not know I was going you're to You're all even, even keeled, yep. right? And then you do RIQ. Yep. And at the end of RIQ, you're you hitting... Preferences, rack and stack. Right, you're, yeah, submitting all the stuff to rack and stack, and there's some, like, deciding what airplane you're going to go fly. Yep. Well... Options. Well... What are yeah. the options? Uh, so it 
I would be shocked if you had any other option but Reapers right now. I don't well, think MQ anybody. Nine. I don't think any MQ nine. Yeah. RQ4. I don't think anybody's going to RQ4. Well, I don't anymore. think they are because RQ4 is like slowly dying. Well, they divested right now, the right? block 30. Yeah, I think the 30s and 40s are going away. Yeah, they di- they've already got rid of the block 30, and I think the block 40 is going too. They've got one more set of them. I don't know anything about it. So you're going to do this drop night thing where you're going to learn what airplane you're supposed to go to, right? Yeah. And for the time being, like the immediate uh, easy answer is MQ9. Yeah, because right. you, used to, you could still go to MQ1s because the 15th was still flying MQ1s whenever I was there. Uh, but the, no one flies MQ1s anymore, at least on the Air Force. Um, Correct. Yeah, the RQ4 is not taking anybody. In fact, a lot of the RQ4 folks are that are coming through here now as students right. that never even got to fly the RQ4. They got, oh, no they shit. got, they showed up there for MQT <laughs> and they were like, hey, "Just kidding, you're going to fly Reapers." Uh, good news is most of them seem to be pretty happy. They're okay. About that. Yeah, and then um, they're reasonably competent pilots. All right, cool. So RQ into RFC. Yeah, R- so R- we get our RPA fundamentals yep. course. So I got my drop to Whiteman. Okay. Uh, at that point, uh, Whiteman was actually fairly competitive at that time. Whiteman and Ellsworth were like viewed as like good assignments. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There was actually a decent amount of folks that wanted Whiteman. Uh, we Cute. only had Sorry. yeah we only we only had one slot to Ellsworth and one slot to Whiteman. My buddy uh, Hammer got our Ellsworth slot over a couple other folks, and I was fortunate enough, at least in my mind at the time, to get uh, the Whiteman slot. No, the if you didn't get the Whiteman slot, you wouldn't have met me. That's right. And you wouldn't be here on this podcast right this minute. That's right. So you were fortunate. I was fortunate. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, no, I, uh, Whiteman was a good, a good location for yeah. me. It was a good, it was a good spot. I reference the, uh, our geographically separated units, good or bad for your career episode of the first, Lost Lane first podcast. assignment. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. doesn't matter. Like, I, th- I think. I mean, yeah, you might be that shiny penny lieutenant that gets to be the group or wing exec, but, who gives a shit? So RPA fundamentals course. Let's get back to that. It happens in the vault, so we got to be yeah. It's it's secret. Careful about here. It's a yeah, bunch of secret, secret shit. But it's none of it is. <laughs> I mean, like once you get out of it, right? Once you once you walk out of the vault, you're like, and you get to your combat unit, you're like, oh, I can talk about this in the flight room. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that's not right. even like, and that's legit. One of the biggest things <laughs> that they they drilled into you. And RFC was they they give you a, a booklet of all these service air missile systems, and yeah. they make you memorize all this shit about them. You have to memorize the Vizreki. You have to memorize yeah. like the Mrears and the max altitudes, the name of the missiles. Mrear being minimum radar intercept, maximum ra- ma- maximum radar intercept, maximum range. Recommended, recommended intercept range. You got it. Yeah. We got there. So uh, when I so I did the RPA fundamentals course ten zero one. Right, so I was one of the first people to go through this RPA fundamentals course, and what this existed of was a bunch of EWOs, electronic warfare officers, okay, like blue suit guys, like retirees living in the San Antonio area, sure. the world's most military friendly city, yeah, trying to teach these kids about. <laughs> They didn't know, so it was like, all right, SA systems, surface air missile systems, and uh, here's an A10 computer simulator game you can play. That's uh, <laughs> that is truly. Thankfully, the training did get a little better. That is truly what RPA fundamentals course was. <laughs> it was worthless, <laughs> worthless, and 
but it is it has apparently gotten better. Yeah. So when you go to RPA fundamentals courses, this one you fly the Prime Sim. The Prime Sim. Yep, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, the Prime Sim was basically Predator, a Predator Reaper, Reaper integrated mission, mission environment. I think environment. Yeah. Uh, that's dude, it. dude, that airplane in the sim will climb like at 150 knots in the climb. 15 degrees nose high. It also like, it also holds altitude plus or minus one foot. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> it, it is not accurate for the real thing, but it like really it starts to teach you about the operational mission and the emergency mission yeah. and th- those concepts, right? So you're starting to well, learn these things the, at RPA. The thing about RP, the thing about RFC at the time though that sucked was that all of the dudes. Uh, all the bros that were teaching there, even the active duty guys, a lot of them, first of all, a lot of them were RQ4 dudes and gals. And then the rest of them were Pred guys. Okay. And so I don't know how it's changed now because I'm assuming a lot of these folks have flown the Reaper by now. But all of the civilians were Pred guys at best. And so basically they taught us how to fly the Predator. Yeah. Um, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. But MQ-1 it, Predator. It's Great just, airplane. Amazing airplane yeah. for, for its mission. Dude, and it's, dude uh, developed it's, in the early 90s. It's, it's maligned. Mal, for, much maligned. Much yeah. maligned for, for what it's actually capable of, and it was really incredible. Dude, but General anyway. Atomics catches a lot of flack for their planes, but like... But for all their shortcomings, they should be very proud of oh, their dude. aircraft. These, these like, airplanes are incredible. They're freaking awesome. Yeah. The Reaper and the Predator, dude. What variant of the missile were they teaching you? Uh Oh, shit. That's right. Because uh, I remember Papa, when, when I went through it, they were talking about kilos, uh, which is like we plus. Learned, we learned about kilos in, in academics. What year is this? 20. 17. Holy shit, dude. We learned about kilo missiles. All right, so the... the the, the AGM one fourteen like kilo version of the missile was yeah. old when I went to that class in twenty ten. Yeah, right. And so plus minus four degrees on the Borsight. like the, like yeah. the angle that you could shoot this. You, thing have, you off. have to be you have to point the aircraft at the target. Right. Versus nowadays the missiles we have, you don't even the aircraft does not need to be pointed. Shoot at the it right up your own butt. Despite what it some Holloman instructors might have you believe, right. <laughs> So, so in 2010, they're teaching the kilo missile, and they still taught you that in 2017. <laughs> yeah. Oh my Again, goodness. Again, it was academic only, but but the thing of is though, when I got to Holloman, we only learned about R twos. When I got to White, Romeo guidance is the only thing that matters anymore. I had never seen Papa guidance missiles. Yeah. And we were carrying them. Oh, like like the, like we're running out of missiles. November. <laughs> no, no, we just had them, dude. Yeah. November, November six. Or yeah, no, right. November, November six. six and Papa two alphas, bro. For some reason, I think the November four was better than the November six. That's right. The November four <laughs> was the November four was our guidance. The November six was. They literally the engineers made it that way so that some jackass IP at Whiteman Air Force Base could troll Lieutenant Hammonds <laughs> and uh, make him second guess himself. Probably on a check ride. Was it me? Was it me? No, I wasn't no. you. No, no, no. Your GK was... Right, you, were, so, you were a big picture evaluator. One of the few big picture evaluators that we had. So we did RPA <laughs> fundamentals course, and we learned some basic stuff that may or may not be applicable to the current state of RPA dome. Yeah, but I think it was much more valuable than our, the RIQ phase. Despite its, again, kind of, to use your terminology, much maligned, right? Yeah. I think that real world, it, it actually did provide a little bit more useful stuff. It was more, um, this is how unmanned aircraft work, right? Yeah. Um, and that was good, at least for me. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm the only person that thought that. I No, I doubt that is the case. Yeah. 
Um, but, but again, our syllabus sounds like it was night and day from y'all's. Cause mine was, they were just making it up. Yeah, they yeah. didn't ours, know what they were doing. Ours wasn't made up. Uh, it was decent. It, it, it could have used a, a, a five year facelift at that time yeah. to be a little more relevant. One of the concepts here is that what happens at Randolph should not happen at Randolph. Okay. They should just do all this shit at Holloman. Do you think you could have come to Holloman without RIQ, without RPA fundamentals course, and been able to fly this airplane? Yes. So, so a couple of caveats. First of all, so all that time at Randolph would be attributed now at Holloman. Right. I'm not going in as an IQ right. so TX1 student. How long was Holloman? Holloman or not Holloman, uh, Randolph. Uh, Sorry. Well, I mean, shit. I was I was there for damn near two years. You don't count um, a year, okay. nine nine months to a year. All right. How long is the RPA instrument qualification course? Three months. Three months, and then our RFC, the another, RPA fundamentals another, course, another, another month. month. Cool. Four to five months of training. So double double the Holloman syllabus, basically, is what you're saying. No, I'm saying it's four to five months. It's right, right, right. But, 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 I'm saying, but I'm saying if you doubled the Holloman syllabus in time, you would accomplish a similar amount of training. Yeah. One idea that has been floated by numerous people yeah. forever and ever right. is that why do I have Randolph when I can just PCS these people to Holloman yeah. and do all this shit here? So They go RIQ, RFC into IQT. And they do all of this thing here in the same yep. timeline that the F-16 yep. pilots do their and you, IQT And course. you trim a lot of fat because you don't have to worry about people stagnating around, waiting in between TDYs on things. You get here and it's all one flow right. through the course. Um, yeah, it's ever going to happen. So I wish it could, but I think that there needs to be multiple moving parts to make that happen. You can What you can't do is Ixne, DOS, and RIQ, and RFC, mm -hmm. and then bring kids here and have them go through a syllabus that is similar to what we have now. Right. What we, I think, need to do long-term is instead of trying to just cut corners and, like, get through these, a navigate these AFIs to get these Air slight, Force sort of comp competent aviators into Reapers as soon as possible to go to their ops units. Yeah. We need to figure out how to instill airmanship in an unmanned aerial vehicle pilot. Yeah. And that answer has not been found um, yet. Like genuine airmanship, like confidence and yes. everything else. Like this yep. doesn't this doesn't come yep. to the RPA community yep. easy. It comes yep. like five and six years in. Correct. And that's right? why that's why I think uh, to kind of dog on our community a little bit, not too much, because I think that our community is good at a lot of things. Our community is great at developing young officers to be pilots in command and do mm -hmm. big shit at a young age. Here's the flip side of that coin. I think that our best pilots in the RPA world can hang in a LFE, right? Mm -hmm. With Viper, Raptor, F-35, Super Hornet guys. LFE means large force, large force yeah. exercise. Yep. We can hang I in think, a war. I think that our top guys can hang. I think... Our bottom guys Are you get talking blown. about like the top ten percent? Yeah. All right. I think our bottom guys get smoked. Is that bottom fifty percent? Maybe. Yeah. I'll say bottom twenty five percent conservatively. Right. Well, our we'll, bottom we'll twenty five percent against the Vi a Viper bottom twenty five percent pilot, no fucking contest. Yeah. Not even close. Our top guys though can hang. So yeah. the problem that we've got 
is we ha- we don't have a culture that or or a training program or whatever it is that gets us our lowest common denominator where it needs to be. And I think that that's because we have all this piecemeal shit together, like RIQ, RFC, IQT, MQT, none of it synergizes. It doesn't move toward a common goal, at least not super efficiently. Yeah. What I think we need to do is bring these guys in, and instead of, like, trying to, like I said, cut corners and get them to be kind of T6 pilots and then, like, sort of kind of predator pilots and, like, also this and that, just, like, get a fucking drone trainer. Just just either either develop one, some cheap bullshit, line-of-sight only, unmanned trainer. Yeah. Or... How many MQ1 tails we got out there? Yeah, just right. fucking we field, just, maybe we should have held on to the just MQ1. Just field the MQ1 as a trainer. The T yeah. the TQ1, boom. Send these kids to Holloman and they start into their TQ1 syllabus and it's yeah. like basic. And they're flying around like surface that are like nine thousand yeah. to Bas- sixteen thousand, and R- the MQ9s are up above them. Yeah, <laughs> right. And we could call that shit BRM or basic <laughs> fi- basic remote maneuvers, <laughs> yeah. right? We, yeah. we teach these kids. We have them do their stand-up. They learn this plane. They learn it inside and out. They learn how it works. They learn how planes work. They go to the hangar. They do their pre-flight inspections of the aircraft. Yeah. They launch the thing themselves, line of sight. They fly a mission. They're introduced to the concept of satellite operations. They hand over the aircraft to their buddies and whatnot in the syllabus. Yeah. They learn all of these basic concepts of how our remotely piloted aircraft work in a training environment with a cheap plane, right? Like I said, you can develop one. You can develop a little plane that's with a with a fifteen foot wingspan if you want to. Yeah. Or you use an MQ1, or you use a Shadow, or a Hunter, or whatever drone you freaking want. Because it's interesting that like the Air Force wants to treat RIQ as like this substitute for UPT. But it doesn't, though. But, it, but it, I, correct. Yeah. Unmanned aviation is numerous ways fundamentally different than flying it when you're in the fucking thing. I agree. Right. Um, and so we could do it a completely different way and everything would be fine. Yep. Like we would learn what needs to be learned, but yep. we... we but we we had this UPT pipeline. Instead of saying, like, thinking from first principles, what do I really need this person to learn? Yep. We just took this thing and said, like, let's half-ass this UPT thing. Call it an RPA instrument qualification, right? Um, and then continue on from there. Instead of saying, throw all that shit in the trash. I don't need any of that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's irrelevant because... The lived experience of the RPA pilot is fundamentally different yes. than what is happening with this guy that's on his way to fly C seventeens yep. or F sixteens or other. And and clear right? and you could argue with me that we need to have these guys in the T six simulator because we have to develop a standardized product across the rated enterprise that you need to know how to do this and that. Here's the problem. I've got lieutenants flying the MQ nine that think it's unsafe for them to send below ten thousand MSL. Yeah. Why? Because they just don't realize how planes work. They've never been that low. Yeah, basic airmen like thinking of ourselves. It's like it's like when we have a, when we have a new mission. The way that I think a, an aviation squadron should work is we we mission plan. We go fly a mission. 
the way we do things is we have a couple guys who are smart figure out how to fly the plane, and then we we dish out like a card with a bunch of save this <laughs> on the radio, and you probably won't point, get in trouble, yes. <laughs> and then just hope for the best. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true. Absolutely true. It's, so It's absolutely true. Um, cool. So after RPA Fundamentals course, you know, in your case, you knew that you were going to Whiteman. Yep. Because you got that at the end of RIQ. Correct. All right. So after RPA Fundamentals course, you went to Holloman. Yes. And at Holloman, you could, you do the initial qualification course. Yep. That is a four-month course. What did your course look like? Like, uh, give, me, give me the names of the phases that you can remember okay. so, right, so, of training. So big picture, I went through the sixth attack squadron. Okay. Uh, I was... Press. Oh, At the time, it was drop the hate, but now it's press. Yep. So, all right, cool. Uh, I was one of the first Continue. classes that was Reapers through there. They had previously been the, the last remaining MQ-1 yep. Predator Squadron. Yep. So they had a very strong history of the MQ-1. <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. Um, but um, I went through. I uh, we, did, uh, we did transition, uh, which is we still have that, which yep. is basically like how to fly the plane without Up, our, down, left, right. Look yeah, at this thing. And follow this car. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of deal. And then we had... Did BS- you do ISR and then BSA and then We did SAT. ISR and BSA and yeah. SAT. So ISR, Intelligence Surveillance Reconnaissance. How to, how to use the camera to look at things. Yep. BSA being basic surface attacks. How, now, to, how now, to shoot missiles and bombs. Yeah, now that I know how to use the camera and the airplane, yep. how do I use those two things to get into position to shoot a weapon? And then surface attack, or SAT, was yep. about... How to do those things well. Yeah, and do it well, and maybe integrate it with another airplane yep. and like all the other things that are like... You know, buddy lasers and things like that, right? Yeah, BSA is like how to do it safely. SAT is like how to do it efficiently and like effectively, like how to how to actually be worth a shit. Okay, yeah. And then SAT uh, being surface attack tactics. tactics. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then and then we had uh, we had the handover phase, and then we had air interdiction. Yep. We had scar. Okay. We had uh, air interdiction, so that's the AI phase. Scar being the strike coordination and reconnaissance phase. Yep. And later episodes will explain what all of this stuff yeah. is. But and then we did uh, CAS. Okay, and close then, air support, uh, and that was it. Okay. And then we did an LFE, a fake LFE. It was like a simulated LFE. Well, again, as we said before, large force exercise. Did you do a solo? We did do solos, yes. You were one of the early phases of solos? And we did our check ride in TR. Yes. So, fun fact, Muff Barber was the chief of wing training in 2016 and wrote that syllabus that you flew on. Well, look at that. <laughs> look at you. Um, and uh, the fact, <laughs> did you get like thrown into the dunk tank and all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So at UPT, you when responsible you, for that? When you complete a your first solo, uh, you get thrown into the the dunk tank, which is like your your a kiddie pool, a kiddie pool presence. Like I I don't know, is this like a good thing, bad thing? Um, it was a thing. It was a thing, and the we brought that to RPAs, and at the end of the the transition phase, you got your check ride. Because of a misunderstanding of like how like we could pull this off and like allow you to fly a solo airplane, and we would throw you in this dunk tank. The funny part about my class was that uh, we didn't have any sensor operators, 
I'm assuming the listeners know what a sensor operator is at this point. The guy that runs the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. Uh, essentially, like, think of it as, like, the co-pilot that can't actually fly the plane. We didn't have any sensor operators in my class. So, like, our solos were with, Wild. Like, we're, like, with an ex- instructor sensor operator. Yeah. So it was just totally, like, unearned, like, at all. There was, it was a, I got you. It was a zero-sum game. Yeah, like, you know what there's, I mean? there's, like, little risk here. Yeah, so the like, instructor sensor operator is just staring at the tracker the entire time. Yeah, like... Like, making sure we don't fly out of the airspace. Like, and, yeah. like, that's the solo. Uh, <laughs> check, me, check ride airspace. Me pinballing around the airspace <laughs> for an, for two hours. <laughs> trying not to fly through all the restrictions. That was okay. that was a solo uh, for me. Okay. Okay. So... We do the Randolph thing. We come to Holloman. Holloman is intended to be, the current syllabus is 80 training days. Yeah. So I think that With equates. With a couple of built-in. Attrition days attrition and days things that like where like, okay, you hooked or yeah. you didn't get scheduled Somewhere or whatever Somewhere between else, right? 80 days and three months. Right. At present uh, is 92 training days, which translates into a hundred and. I think 39 calendar days, which is the limit on the joint federal travel regulation for PCS versus TDY. Temporary duty, right? So there's a lot of consternation about... The big takeaway is you will make more money. What? On a PCS or TDY? TDY. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You will make more money. So this is actually one of those times when this actually ends up working out in your favor. Because so, the PCS would actually kind of suck. So you're going to do the the <laughs> Randolph thing for four to six months, and then you're going to come to Holloman, which will be another four to six months of learning how to fly the airplane. When you get here, you're going to do two weeks of academics with instructors at the 16th training squadron, well, my squadron, and then you're going to roll into starting to fly the airplane, right? Um, your administrative control is going to be through the 16th training squadron. We will own you. Muff Barber, all you Embry-Riddle cadets, I'm going to own your ass because, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm the, I'll be the DO of the 16th are, training squad, which you will be assigned There to. are worse people to own your ass, so to speak, <laughs> yes. out there in the wild. I'm about me. as good as it gets. It I is, sadly. <laughs> and... So you're going to come here to Holloman. You're going to be assigned to the 16th training squadron, and then you're going to go fly with one of the three attack squadrons where, in which you will conduct, by the time you get here, probably a 92 training day syllabus, which means each one of those 92 days so you should be scheduled months. for something, right? But the idea is that that equates to 139 calendar days, which is four months. So somewhere between four and five months. 130. Yeah. 130. So four and a half months. Yeah. And that is the limitation of the joint federal travel regulation. Right. 4.6. You will probably be here longer. Right. And we're, we're working out the specifics of that. And then you will move on to your actual combat squadron. Now I'm going to take a little quick sidebar. So when you went through. Yep. Uh, tank. You became, you went from ROTC, you PC, basically PCS'd yes. to Randolph, mm-hmm. right? What is, what has been happening recently with regards to PCS? Yeah, yeah. So, that, so, so shortly there, shortly after I went through the pipeline, they, they had the bright idea. I don't really know why to, uh, 
instead of PCSing people to Randolph, and I, and I guess the reason why is because the Randolph decided they didn't have the bandwidth to hold on to all these lieutenants. But I don't see why they didn't that was have mad the bandwidth, at. and they didn't have the dorm rooms. But they didn't need them. None of these guys ever lived in the dorms. Okay. That we always were had lived off base. The dorms were for like. I don't even pipeline know. Pipeline airmen and like Pi- the, yeah, pipeline the, the airmen. sensor operators, yeah, right? Yeah, Because right. all the pit guys were living in pit pads. That we were living yeah. off base in apartments and shit too. So I don't know. But regardless, they um, didn't have enough like dorm have, rooms to like. Su- I think it. Re- I think it probably was just the backlog was at Randolph and the 16th TRS was fielding the burn of it from okay. the 19th Air Force that Randolph had too much of the backlog, I guess, and so that they figured if they dish that out to the They options, didn't have enough room to, like, put all these airmen and all this other fun yeah. stuff into, right? But, but, the, but the thing about that is they were still doing it with the airmen. The airmen were still going through the old way. Okay. The Only the pilots were getting PCS to... So anyway, what they were doing, instead of PCSing guys from your ROTC detachment, from the Air Force Academy, or from your Joe Blow civilian apartment and yeah. where the fuck ever, to Randolph, what they started doing is, when you got assessed as an RPA pilot, they would give you your assignment then, just like you would... It, it would be random. From what yeah, so like, guess what? Uh, hey, welcome. You're going to go to the 20th attack squad. Yeah, and, and, and I think they might have had some say in it, like they could put rack and stack, but it wasn't merit-based at all. It was just like... Needs of the Air Force, essentially, for the way I understand it. Okay. It's not like you competed against your URT class like we did. Okay. Um, so so you show up to URT, you know where you're going because you've already PCS there, and your TDY called Out and Back, where you, you're still at your combat unit, you go TDY to all these places, out and back, out and back, out and back. And the problem with that was that AFPC had said that... Air Force Personnel Center. The people that pull the strings on where all officers, and I guess enlisted too, are assigned to and when to give people orders and whatnot. So they had said that, oh yeah, these guys' time on station is going to be paused while they're doing all this training. Well, turns out that wasn't the case. And we had guys that were... So you PCS the white men, you hang out there, you go do... Six months of training at Randolph. Yep. Then you go do... Don't forget DOS. DOS. You got five months of training at Holloman. You're 18 months into your... 24 months. 24 months, like, assignment. Yep. Like, minimum re- assignment at yep. Whiteman. So we had guys at Whiteman that had not finished mission qual. They could not fly the Reaper at Whiteman. That got orders to move. Yeah. So they had gone to a combat unit to fill a combat billet and never got qualified in that aircraft. Yeah, and then the, and most of them were probably tied to go to like another combat unit. Yeah, yeah. none of them right. came here to right. Holloman, at least not that I'm aware of. But it's possible. I mean, it is possible. That you could have gotten this assignment to come to Holloman as a, like, a freshly qualified instructor or yeah. you just finished MQT. I mean, it wouldn't be any much different than a FAPE. Yeah. Like for steps. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, so they ended up... The commanders, I think, ended up essentially like reclaming all those guys, like that it didn't make any sense for them to move. Yeah, reclama being reclamation, i.e., you're on the vulnerable to move list, and you might get an assignment, but your commander tells, like, tells the air force, "I want to hold on to this guy." Yeah, for I, I am going to reclamate this individual to my squadron for the next cycle. So six months, usually. right? Yeah. 
yeah, so that that was done for a few folks to minimize that stupidness of them literally moving prior to getting qualified in the aircraft, at least combat-wise, because they leave Holloman qualified, just not in the mission. But I guess now they're back to doing it the old way. Yeah, so they were tired, like doing this thing, right? And there was this, they, they, they realized the second order effect was that you might be PCSing people to Holloman that have been mission qualified for all of like three months. They got 10 hours in the radar. Yeah, this person doesn't, <laughs> doesn't know enough about anything to be able to go like instruct people. Yeah. So there were some, some issues with like your timelines. And, now it is my understanding that they are now PCSing people to Randolph again. And it, once they complete that course, then they get the PCS to their final location. The question is then, I think they do a TDY to Holloman to learn how to fly the airplane. And then yep. once they're done with that, then they do a permanent change of station to their gaining And that's unit. how they used to do it. Is the right. one, the Holloman was TDY en route. So Correct. I left Correct. San Antonio still on their books at Randolph, yeah. came here, and then I just went straight to Whiteman. Yeah. And, and then, you, and you then, would go to whatever unit. And then once you show up, then then your counter starts. Correct. And off that, you go. That right? day. Yep. Um, which is the way it makes which means way you more sense. Two and a half to three years of experience yes. before you're asked to PCS. Yep. Whether that to be to another else. operational squadron or to go to a... AETC, right. Air Education Training Command. Right. And that is where you find yourself now, right? So yes. you showed up to Whiteman in 2018? Yep. Early 2018? Yep. Uh, at which point I had been an instructor there. Yeah, you were an evaluator when I showed up. Yeah, so like when I showed up to the 20th Air and MQ-1 squadron. I was an MQ-9 guy, and MQ-1 was being retired, so they were asking me to, like, transition the squadron from MQ-1s to MQ-9s, which we did, and you showed up in the early-ish phases of them transitioning to the MQ-9. Yep, correct. And uh, all was well. I can still remember being safety observer on some sortie that you were going to put a hellfire into some dude with a hollow leg. Yeah, we were waiting for him to come out of. That was his. my first uh, employment. Oh man, man, and I am incredibly happy to have been there. Yeah, it was like something. over the shoulder for that, for that thing. Yeah, um, it was a good. It was a good one. Guy was apparently pretty bad. Uh, yeah, apparently Accor- pretty bad, according to the and, Intel report. And he had a fake leg. And he had a wooden so. leg. That's right. <laughs> so it was easy. These to guys tell didn't him. buy me a beer, dude. <laughs> you can't be doing this. These guys did not buy me a beer. It, right. it was very easy to tell him from everybody else. Yeah, well, because um, in in, uh, in infrared, <laughs> you can uh, you can clearly see a lack of a leg. So after initial qualification training, right? Mm-hmm. Like IQT. Kind of sucks because all the instructors are kind of all over the place and they have different techniques. I think it's better now. And you that's think? not, I, yeah, I think well, so. Well, I mean, you're an IQT instructor, yeah. so I mean, I you're am kind of blind to a lot of this. I mean, I'm here, so by default, it's better. Yes. Right? Yes. And you're here, so. So, <laughs> the, the, all right, so let's recap this whole pipeline for everybody ROTC OTS Academy. Boom. You're on to Randolph. You're going to do RPA instrument qualification course. Four months of flying around a T6 sim uh, down the hall from your flight room. Then you're going to go to the RPA fundamentals course, which is all the secret shit inside of the 558th training squadron. They're Randolph 
And then you will go to Holland from there, at which point you will learn how to f- actually fly the MQ-9 with instructors such as Tink and myself. And then you will go to your combat squadron where you will conduct mission qualification training, which is going to be specific to your individual unit's mission set. In most cases, that's going to be close air support and strike coordination and reconnaissance, or what's known as SCAR. And we will save discussion about that for the future. Yep. Yeah, and then, and then just to kind of understanding like what each phase is, represents for the layman is you go to DOS, DOS is you learn how to fly a plane. You go to RIQ, you learn how to fly an Air Force plane. You go to RFC, you learn the basics of unmanned aircraft in general and like war fighting, I guess. Then you come to Holloman for IQT, you learn how to fly a Reaper, the specific aircraft. Then you go to MQT mission training. Now you learn how to fly a Reaper with respect to what your unit specifically does and how your customer employs the Reaper to accomplish an effect, possibly in a wartime or otherwise. That is a perfect explanation. That's the RPA pipeline in a nutshell, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you have any additional commentary? How might we improve this? Like right, like right now, we go to Randolph. So, so again, huge, mm-hmm. huge, like scorched earth wise. You improve this by teaching people how to fly unmanned aircraft from the from the jump. You you develop a dedicated trainer syllabus for unmanned aircraft from the lowest common denominator and build them up how to fly yeah. this. How, like this is the TQ one thing that you mentioned TQ1, earlier. The TQ one called the TQ one, whatever yeah. it is, right? There is no simulators. I mean, yep. we would have simulators, but it's there's no like you're gonna fly this fake airplane that you'll never actually fly. Yeah, right. It's it's all of the training is is foundational, and we're working upwards on the pyramid. Right. We're not piecemealing a bunch of crap together and hoping that we a competent aviator falls out into the bin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, so I do know. Yeah. Uh, and again, it works for some people. Like we have very competent aviators in the MQ-9 community. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm not like deprecating the MQ-9 world. We mm-hmm. have good aviators. It's just we're we're failed in a lot of ways. I think by the infancy of our training and the way that we came about as a community. I agree. I think it could be done a lot better. The problem is that we're essentially sunk cost fallacy into this to the point where anything that would actually be a sweeping change is going to be too expensive for these folks to buy off on it. Even if it would save money in the long term, yeah, um, it would it would be too much of an upfront thrash with too many guidons moving and you know whatever they want to say <laughs> about that. It's just okay. um, it's tough. But, but case in point, like the LR versus non. And I know you guys already had an LR episode, but. Yeah. LRB launch and recovery. Launch and recovery versus mission component. How many MCE only pilots could pre-flight an MQ-9? Zero. Right. I mean, they just need to be told what to do and that they would understand it quickly. Yeah. It's not like this complicated thing. Right. But right now, zero. But but for for a manned aviator, that concept should, like, be weird. It is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... How to check your your fuel vent or whatever is like the first thing you learn how to do with a plane. Yeah. You know, how to move the aileron and 
and all this crap and like remove your right. check that you don't have any remove before flight flags on your thing. Yes, make sure you know those are all gone. Yeah, your engine cowling blocks are out. You know what I'm saying? And and like it, that is what I'm saying. Like the, the the basics of aviation start like in the chocks. And it's just like yep. we skip over that yep. because we we're so focused on pumping these guys out to go shoot right. hellfires. We're we're a little bit shoehorned into that. We don't we don't build them up. We take them directly from like their fundamental training mm-hmm. of like this is an airplane. This is how you fly airplanes in general. To this is how you conduct the mission. Yep. We skip the the portion of sortie generation and like. How the MQ-9 actually like fundamentally mm-hmm. functions, and guess what? This is how it got airborne, and you got attached to it yep. over KU. So I just I think right? that I think that that there just has to be something bridging that gap. Whether it's reinventing from the first second that you're in the Air Force in the unmanned community, or the B course us right yeah front that and i think that our new syllabus with the where we're going to the, the, the full contact phase the contact phase i like the idea of that i think that's going to really force people i think it will increase airmanship in the long term yeah i think among everybody instructors yes. correct experienced people uh because it, it can be easy to fall through the cracks with this plane yep uh it can be easy to to not know much <laughs> and <laughs> Super and not, easy. <laughs> and not have it really bite you in the ass. Correct. Because uh, GA made a good plane. Yes. <laughs> and and, and we, we always shit on General Atomics, like creating this airplane. It is. It's Geico, dude. So easily a caveman can do it, dude. incredibly good airplane. Dude. The highest mission capable rate uh, in the Air Force. It, yeah. it is a tremendous airplane that is putting up record numbers of flight hours. Yeah. Uh, every year, yep. right? I mean, and every every time, like you know, like we, you know, I do like a tour for cadets or something, or my fucking in laws visit. You know, yeah. we go to the simulator and like I got them shooting hellfires in fifteen minutes. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, they're not going to be. I mean, I'm not saying they're ready. They're not, gonna, like, they're not ready to go out and <laughs> fly the hack the mish, but I mean, you know, it's a it's a good plane. Right, it's 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 easy to fly. Yeah, it is. Um, it's very easy. Cool. So, in a very roundabout kind of way, I think we hit all the pieces of the RPA uh, initial qualification pipeline. We'll we'll talk about MQT and what to do after MQT, like how to differentiate yourself and like what your Air Force career looks like after MQT, in a subsequent podcast. Because all you Rossi cadets out there. Uh, those of you from Embry-Riddle, all you need to know right now is how to get through initial qualification training and what your pipeline looks like over the next, let's call it a year to year and a half at probably worst case, right? So that's, I think that's about it. Uh, I think that's the end of the podcast. If you're still listening at this point, please hit us up on the Twitters at Lossling Podcast there. And uh, you can go to lostlink.co, send us a, a little message if you think we rambled on too long about some particular thing. Yeah, you can blame me. Excellent. Blame it on Tink. Um, <laughs> and that is the uh, end of the episode. Tink, why don't you take us out? See ya! say hello to the folks that I know. Tell them I won't be long. There'll be
happy to know that as you saw me go, 